Welcome to Radio Free Nintendo. It is March 9th, 2022, and I am James Jones. I'm joined today by Mr. Greg Leahy. Ahoy, ahoy, everyone. Mr. Guillaume Vayette. Good evening. And not Mr. John Lindemann, because we actually don't know where he is. <laughs> uh, he's, he's not around. He hasn't told us he wasn't going to be around. He is uh, 23 hours away from being declared a missing person. Uh, so we will keep you up to date as we learn more. Uh, this is episode 813. And uh, we're just going to get right down to new business, I guess. Not that I've decided on what the order is. Okay, well, that'll be cool. Greg, why don't you start us off? Sure. Well, uh, I, I came into the week thinking I'd probably talk about Doom Eternal, because that's what mm. I've probably spent the most time playing on Switch. Yeah. Uh, because um, yeah, I went on this weird uh, first-person journey like through... Like, started with GoldenEye coming to Switch Online, <laughs> then to Metroid Prime. And then, like I said, when I played Metroid Prime Remastered, I kind of made a point, it's like, oh, I'll do like the, the, the basically the, the uh, original control scheme, but just with the ability to gyro aim when you kind of stop and, uh, you know, kind of aim with the cursor in the original. And you can do that with gyro as part of the, what they call the hybrid scheme. But, you know, it was still fundamentally very much the same as that uh, original control scheme, which itself actually had a lot of overlap with Goldeneye, you know, because of the fact that you're kind of just moving with the control stick uh, and you don't really have a second stick, uh, but just with lock on rather than like using the C buttons to, you know, kind of peer out or anything. So there was like continuity there, but then at the, when I got to the phase of the game where it's like, okay, I want to kind of, um, I've basically done it, but I want to see how many of the pickups I could get. Uh, I sort of thought, let's try the dual analog controls now. Like the game's done, basically. Let's actually see what it's like as as a dual analog game. So I kind of did a big sweep of the areas, trying to mop up any items I could uh, find uh, using the new controls. Um, and yeah, they work perfectly well. Uh, so, uh, you know, kind of you kind of see the um, some of the kind of limitations of the enemy AI more. When you don't rely on the lock on as much, like, you know, like you're kind of more aware of like the enemies. You know, normally when you're locked on, obviously you are just, you know, you've got that one enemy that's going to stay, you know, uh, very much at the center of your view, naturally. Whereas if you just kind of more naturally using dual analog, using the, and, you know, with the motion controls as well, like, uh, and not so focused on one individual enemy, you can kind of see the crowd more and it's like, yeah, you know, they're just kind of, standing around not doing a lot aren't they <laughs> but that's the thing it was never yeah, by their own kind of marketing you know the, the first person adventure stuff and all that it wasn't really you know a, a, all about a shooter but certainly you know you, you could feel how much like it's not really balanced for and even even back on trilogy you know, you could feel like with the Wii remote controls, you could feel right. the fact that it's like, yeah, it's not really balanced for these controls, but it's still nice to have them. It's still smoother. Uh, it still feels more user friendly and stuff. So, and then having got to that point where it's like, all right, I've weaned myself off the golden eye, uh, 
<laughs> the Metro Prime Junker. I was like, well, I've got Doom Eternal that I bought when they were selling it very cheap. So maybe I'll just segue straight into that for, you know, dual analog uh, and motion controls and all that. And so I did. Uh, and I think I'm a decent way into the campaign there. Maybe, you know, a bit more than halfway, but not exactly sure. Uh, but maybe I'll wait on that. Um, until I've you know, got really close to the end, or you know, as far as I'm going to get with the the campaign, uh, because yeah, it's probably not too far away. Because uh, there've been yeah, quite a lot of other things coming up this week, as it turns out. Like there was a more another like a proper demo rather than that little glimpse um, that that was in Bayonetta three for the Bayonetta Origins game. Uh, so it is just the start of the game. Your progress can carry over and stuff. So yeah, I thought I'd yeah, give that a look. And the thing is, because it's the start of the game, um, you know, it's quite ex- exposition uh, heavy. It's a, I mean, it's a story, children's story book aping kind of thing. So you know, it's not really exposition heavy. It's not, you know, it's not. It's a via like loads of uh, kind of dense stuff to go through. But you know, it's kind of uh, it's quite deliberate. You know, what I mean, like if you are right. trying to mimic a children's storybook style, you kind of laying it out very clearly you know kind of to, uh, not doing it really snappily or anything either so you kind of got that to get through but the, mo- the most interesting part of it having seen before you know the aesthetic and all that was actually the part where you get to like okay Cheshire you could like control him separately with the right stick and like you have to kind of you know work quote unquote together with you know the two characters controlling Sarasa with the left and, and Cheshire with the right and he's kind of like but you could kind of put this this game really sticks it to the Wii version of um or the you know, the Wii reboot whatever you want to call it of a boy in his blob because it hasn't got a hug button. It's got a hug mode where yeah, <laughs> Cheshire when he's like reverts back to his stuffed toy phase that is referred to as hug mode so it's like you've got these times where he you could kind of just like extend him out almost like a little like zip line and stuff and use it to make jumps and stuff but then other times he's got to fully separate and become his own you know character to beat stuff up in combat to clear obstacles or that kind of thing so it was, it was interesting to see that in action because that appears to be basically the game you know what I mean like that is the the, the real core of the kind of gameplay that's going to be on offer in the final thing and of course again because it's the very beginning nothing too strenuous uh, there but they kind of see the potential for some interesting kind of interplay as it were among the two characters but uh, some of the questions is just like how far do they want to push it given that you know like it seemingly some sort of greater accessibility you know is the priority here relative to you know Platinum's other output down the years and other Bayonetta branded games specifically but you know if you wanted to I think seemingly you know this sort of puzzle solving I guess you one of the things I kind of thought of um, was uh, you know Spirit Tracks you know, with um, the Phantom Zelda stuff, where you've got two characters, you know, that are kind of uh, working together. Um, they have something that I actually have played. And, and, that, and that, even though, like, Phantom Hourglass was probably, like, not one of the most puzzle 
heavy or like puzzle kind of leveraged Zelda games. Um, you know, that Spirit Tracks kind of uh, went some interesting places with, um, you know, th- those sorts of puzzle uh, ideas, even though, you know, it's a Zelda game on DS, like accessibility was obviously a priority for that. So they, they, I feel like there's, there's potential there, but yeah, I, I certainly would be looking at reviews to see, you know, kind of, uh, how, Truly, do they kind of exploit some of this setup to to get some interesting kind of puzzle solving or whatever? But as you would imagine, the the presentation still looks very strong. Having got a bit of a better look at it, I, I like the way that the, when you sort of team up to like um, you know, Cereza kind of uses her magic to hold um, things in place for Cheshire to then beat up. Like the way they almost sort of like snap back to you like a heavy bag, uh, you know, like boxing training is cute a lot of it is uh seems very cute very nice uh kind of um you know aesthetically and all that it's like i said it, it just remains to be seen you know what the substance is uh on this kind of scale for the game as well you know how, how, how much can you kind of string out this kind of gameplay for how long and, and it feel kind of satisfying and still have it go new places but that'll be out in a matter of days uh after this podcast is God, released it, it, it kind of snuck up on me yes that's the thing i mean i guess they had to do this uh, to some extent just to kind of remind people yeah this is a thing that's coming even though bayonetta 3 wasn't that long ago and uh you know uh obviously yes like i said reviews we presumably will come in just a bit before it actually comes out to even closer to this podcast and then you know everyone will have a a better idea but um yeah like i said sort of some promise there but uh we'll see what uh how it turns out now with uh then of course there was also the uh, uh, metroid fusion coming uh to the expansion pack uh, this week so right. just by itself like so i don't know yeah is that gonna be it for for this month for expansion pack i don't know uh, that's not promising that wouldn't be terribly promising because they have got uh, seemingly a lot of stuff you know to you know, with gba to, to put on there you know it feels like there's a hell of a lot more realistically uh than there were you know there is on n64 you know when you think of n64 historically you know in terms of you know, when the system was around but also then like the amount of games that have come out on previous virtual consoles like you always feel like yeah there's not that many that's going to come so you kind of more accept the idea of like one a month or whatever uh, although, you know, spare a thought for poor Japanese expansion pack uh, uh, subscribers. I don't think they got GoldenEye. So, like, oh, this is like the first expansion pack thing. You know, the GBA games were the first expansion pack in general, you know, with, with the Nintendo Direct's uh, kind of immediate release. Uh, that, that was the first thing they'd got for a while. Although, the, the Japanese N64 NSO did get the two custom robo games, which naturally we didn't because, right. you know, they were never translated. Uh, but still, yeah, nice, <laughs> nice to get something, uh, finally. But, uh, yeah, Fusion is, you know, something I, I certainly like a lot. Uh, it's, you know, it might still be maybe the best, like, action uh, sort of Metroid. I mean, I suppose Dread has, has got something to say about that, I think, at this point. Um, you know, and, and I like the action element of Other M, actually. You know, like that, that the action part I had no problem with. There's everything else when it's trying to tell a story, when it's trying to get you to find a particular 
pixel on the screen. You know, <laughs> those are not very good. But I actually kind of took to the weird, like, you know, control a 3D game with the D-pad. Like, you know, we've kind of segued back into pre-DualShock PlayStation era. Like, I actually got on with it quite well in that regard. Now, it's some really cool bosses and stuff. But Fusion is kind of, well, you know, as anybody who's actually played Fusion and other M will know, Fusion is the original, it's, you know, and, and really the best of, of those two. You know, it's the, uh, the other M is kind of like a remake, but... In, in certain regards, uh, but obviously expanded into its own take on, you know, to put in the series in 3D. But it, it's, you know, as, as in terms of like the bosses, the difficulty, like uh, the controls, all that, like I really feel like it's, you know, actually showed that it was eight years later than Super Metroid and learned some lessons. But what it isn't as successful at now, you know, is, is like the atmosphere and the visuals and stuff, you know, because it's very, it's very driven by the fact that it was still at that time pre GBASP. So the visual design is very bright, you know, for a Metroid game, it's just like, you know, you look back on, cause I think even though it wasn't that much later, like even with Zero Mission, it was like, yeah, the SP's a thing now, so we don't have to go crazy. But, you know, right. with Fusion, it was, you know, not that far removed from, I think, you know, it was a year and a bit, uh, from like, uh, Circle of the Moon with the, the, the yeah, Castlevania game in the Metroid style that launched with the system. And of course, you know, everyone was like, oh, I, I can't see it. Can't see what the hell's going on. You know, and when you got to the <laughs> second one of those, the, it was very garish in the color scheme, you know. And, so, and Fusion is, I, I don't know whether it's that far, but, you know, it's its very colorful. Uh, you know, it, it's, uh, and you know, obviously as well, the GBA, you know, there were differences. What it, what it was kind of good at, you know, it's lower resolution, so now Naturally, it's not as given to as much detail as Super Metroid, yeah, which itself went for quite a relatively kind of detailed aesthetic. And then with the sound, you know, also, you know, it, it's not, uh, it's quite a different sounding game. It hasn't got the same kind of atmosphere as the Super Nintendo game, but I think it is effective on its own terms. But I don't think I've played through Fusion since Maybe the mid-aughts, I'm not sure. I, I feel like there was a time where it's like, okay, I have a DS now, or maybe it was the micro, and it's like, yeah, I should play this on a system where I can see it more easily <laughs> like than the first time. Because I, I, when I played it the first time in O2, shortly before I played Prime, I didn't have, uh, yeah, there was no SP. I didn't, there was no Game Boy Player. I didn't have that yet. So it was just, yep, yeah, me playing it next to a lamp. That's it. Even, even though it was, you know, a fair bit brighter than Circle of the Moon, I still needed that kind of help to play it. Uh, but yeah, as I mentioned before, uh, I want to unlock that Japanese, uh, hard difficulty because it didn't, it came out in Japan later. Um, it's not uncommon with like Metroid, uh, in those days, cause it was a bit of an afterthought for that market. You know, it was a very Western facing property, but somewhat sort of perversely, what that meant was that, you know, sometimes like they'd kind of iron out some bugs or add a little, you know, some stuff 
for the Japanese release. And I think with Fusion, you, you, there's the hard difficulty, but then there's also, I think, some extra like artwork for completing the game with certain thresholds in terms of you know how quickly and with how many items. Um, so yeah, it is kind of like the the better slightly better version of the game even though it's for the market that didn't really care uh so that's accessible you know through uh having um a, J- a japanese account to download the japanese app and i've been making my start on it and yeah i you know it um because again i did play zero mission on wii u i that is my preferred sort of GBA Metroid, I have to say. So when that was an option, I was like, yep, I'm going to buy that, I'm going to play that again. It's it's the most replayable Metroid, I think, by like quite a margin, because it's, A, it's short and easy, but B, it's also just really well-constructed to that end, whereas the more scripted nature of Fusion it's not as, you know, replayable, but it's still very brisk. You know what I mean? Like, uh, the briskness of it actually, you know, it was funny. When we were talking about Metroid Prime, I was relaying that sort of story about, like, going, uh, you know, to, into a dead end, but it's like, here's an energy tank. But then it's like this really arduous journey back because you're in water and, you, do, you know, it's, it's just quite a slow-paced game. There's virtually exactly the same thing in Fusion, except it takes a matter of seconds. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, it's like, oh, look, there's a dead end you know like the the computer told you to go somewhere explicitly you know, in this case it's explicitly like go to this place and you go like the most obvious route like the kind of route of least resistance and something's collapsed and so actually can't go that way you're gonna have to find some other way to get there but they give you an energy tank like right there but of course again because it's 2d and you're zipping around and all that it's like yep um, um, i'm back on another path you know almost instantly it feels like by comparison that's just one of the ways in which you know that kind of design just flows more easily uh more naturally in 2d uh but um now i look forward to you know seeing seeing it through getting all the bosses unlocking that hard mode but i don't know that i'll go straight into the hard mode that that might be a bit much (laughs) to play it back to back and i I don't know if the hard mode will really add anything meaningful to the process it's kind of i feel like hard modes in, in metroid sometimes um can be like you come away feeling like yeah well in some ways it was worse wasn't it you know like because especially in, in like a, a prime it's like if you play metro i mean i've beaten metro prime 2 in hyper mode or whatever but like it didn't need to be harder it didn't need to have bosses that take longer to kill i think that most people that play metro prime 2 people like it like i do would probably agree that that's not something the game needed but I guess the main value I tend to see in a harder mode for a Metroid game is like it kind of forces you to think about like, okay, what pickups can I get as quickly as possible? You know, like, um, so whereas, uh, you might see a pickup uh, that you can't get yet and then return to get it at your leisure. Like, it kind of forces you to think a little bit more about, okay, I really could use with the extra missiles as soon as possible, and kind of making you think about how quickly can you get certain things, uh, and just being kind of more using, because it's almost always going to be something that, you know, you come to having unlocked the difficulty on a previous playthrough, using your knowledge of that earlier playthrough, of like, okay, how can I get ahead of the curve relatively? 
uh, because I need to be more so now. Uh, so it can add something, but uh, I'm not sure it will. I guess I guess I'll find out. But yeah, I'll probably enjoy this first playthrough. And and also, I can't understand what Adam's saying, but I don't have to because I, I think I could just rely on my uh, you know knowledge of the game from even though I haven't played it in uh, so many years. But it, you know, it just like I think it came up with uh, when I played. Rhythm Heaven Mega Mix in Japanese, like all mm. the, when it came out later in English, and everyone was complaining about how much like it talks to you. And I'm like, yeah, you really don't know. I mean, yes, you have to press the A button a lot, but you just don't notice. <laughs> you know, because I'd be the same if it was in English. I would feel the need to read it. You know, but when you when you can't understand it, you could just sort of remorselessly hammer the button to get through it as fast as possible. And you don't notice it nearly as much so much as it bogs down the pace. So, yeah, it uh, promises to be quite a bit of fun. Uh, and, uh, yeah, hopefully that we'll get you know, some more of those GBA games a little bit quicker than one a month, I guess we'll see. It would be nice if, you know, they gave something to the people who haven't bought the the premium edition well yeah that, that's true because i mean just at least that first tranche of game boy regular game boy games of your game Boy color like that was the first thing that that, that they've been uh-huh. given for quite a while you know because i mean there have not been that many up- updates to the super nintendo and uh, the, you know nes libraries have they you know because like i said i mean no. they get I mean, they're kind of close to tapped out especially on super nintendo first party stuff as we mentioned like apart from super mario rpg most of the things are there excluding like hardware edge cases right so it's like yeah well, we don't have Mario Paint and we don't have Mario and Wario and we don't have Yoshi Safari you know and stuff like that you know the, the, the super scope in that case you know so yeah we could have those you'd expect that but most of the other stuff is there it's still like to see if you could have found some more third party stuff you know to, I mean there's been some you know like you know but mm-hmm. uh, so that's nice but yeah for, for there's the, gotta be something available for fuck's sake the regular Switch Online folks yeah it, that, that's kind of one of the nice things about the Game Boy games just like yeah just something for those people again but yeah it's kind of maybe yeah, later in the month um, we'll see uh, that that half of the service get uh, some more Game Boy games I hope so God, it's 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 tough living out there. <laughs> uh, I'll I'll be honest, like the game, like I've burned, I've gone through pretty much all the Game Boy offerings at this point. I mean, it's only we've only had it what a month. Well, some are very quick, aren't they? Obviously, Kirby, oh, yeah. Super Mario Land Two is pretty quick. I mean, Zelda is the more substantial one, but I've played through it many times. It's not at yeah, the top I, of the list. I, I, I haven't even started it as we've already it already mentioned, uh, you know, previously. Yeah, yeah. Demon's Crest. Uh, you know, it's not like a massive game. I'm sorry, not Demon's Crest. The Gargoyles Quest, you know, the predecessor. Yeah. But Demon's Crest is on the Super Nintendo as a uh, part of the service as a nice example pull of uh, the kind of third party support I kind of wish there were more of like I really feel like the Konami equivalent would be like you know, Goemon for instance but there, you, there's no going on. Cause it's like, I mean, they're not doing a going on collection are they? So even, like, I mean they could I no. wish they would but they probably won't so just put it on NSO or something but anyway yeah Gargoyle's Quest is a fun you know, fun game that's uh, it's not that big but it's got some teeth to it because it's you know it's in that series yeah, it would be it would be nice to see. I don't know, just like 
one game a month for each of the systems. Like it's not that's not that big of an ask. I refuse to believe they can't find twelve NES games in a goddamn year that they can release. Yeah, be, yeah. I, I don't know. Crazy. I don't know whether you want. Uh, you, you can't help but wonder a little bit at a certain point where it's like, eh, well, you know, we want to have the expansion pack stuff get like more regular updates to try and induce people to to go that way. I don't know, but the you know the bottom line is there should be. Uh, you can't take the people that are on the the regular Switch or live for granted if you if you get if you don't keep. Uh, uploading stuff, then uh, you know you base bound to uh, at some point hit your retention rate on that end. Yeah, I, uh, I, mean, I guess I guess they've got you over a barrel though, because if you want expansion pack, you have to pay for this anyway. So, oh yeah, that, well that's certainly true. Yeah, you're a hostage. We're all hostages in Nintendo's world. Uh, anything else you want to talk about, Greg? Well, the other thing, I suppose, is uh, that also comes from the expansion pack, at least for me, is the Mario Kart DLC uh, dropping. Yeah. But, oh, right. Uh, yeah, Guillaume, uh, I, you usually are kind of quick on these as well. I've, I've run through yeah. both the cups, but I've not played them extensively. It's like twice for the first one and once for the second one. Okay. Is that what you well, plan I've, to talk about, Guillaume? Yeah, basically. I've played twice the first one and twice the second one, so I have the more experience <laughs> here. <laughs> oh, oh, senior! All right, well then, I'm gonna switch the order on my page. And Guillaume, why don't you and Greg uh, talk about the new Mario Kart DLC that came out? What two days ago? Uh, just last night uh, for me. Oh, okay. yeah. So, so uh, Wave Four came out last night. Uh, you know, without warning. So uh, that's how Nintendo has been releasing these things. Um, so Wave Four, uh, the Fruit Cup, <laughs> which is. Uh, uh, Amsterdam, Amsterdam Drift, Riverside Park from the GBA game, uh, Dark Summit from the Wii uh, title, and Yoshi's Island, which is appropriately, yes, in the Fruit Cup, which is represented by an apple. So which the, of course uh, the, is the, the, the DK, right? DK Summit. DK Summit. Is that not what I said? I think you said Dark Summit, which is just a rather Ooh. different uh, connotation in my mind. No, no. Dark Dark Summit was uh, the, um, the, the... Was the, that the, the game with the Skittles? snowboarding game. Oh. No, that, that's, dark, that's Dark Sky. Okay. Uh, dark, right. dark Summit is the dystopian ska- uh, snowboarding game where you snowboard against uh, pollution mega corporations that are trying to destroy the world. Okay, so DK Summit. I'm not making that up. You can Google it. <laughs> so DK Summit is the track in Super Mario Kart, the dystopian track in Super Mario Kart where shy guys have access to uh, snowboards. That's pretty dystopian. Um, yeah, it's from, it's from Mario Kart Wii originally. It's mm-hmm. um, you know kind of uh, it kind of built on the DK track in. Um, a double dash, which like you know, you kind of you got shot out of a barrel cannon to the top of a mountain and then came down. So they just right. thought, well, that could be a snowboardy type thing. So right. that's yeah, what they like did the, 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 next the, time. the giant cannon thing is your your ski lift, basically. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, uh, Yoshi's Island. Uh, just um, uh, yeah, it's so well done, but. Yeah, I don't yeah. know how much like we want to go into like each individual uh, track. I guess I'll finish like the the Boomerang Cup um, has Bangkok Rush from Tor, uh, Mario Circuit from the DS game, Waluigi Stadium from uh, Double Dash, and Singapore Speedway from Tor. Now, I 
one of the first things I noticed with uh, the Amsterdam track, the Bangkok and the Singapore tracks is that, um, and this is something that I've noticed also like in the Paris uh, uh, track and all those like places where like it's like walkable cities uh, where they decide to split the road into two smaller, you know, lanes for cars, but like in the middle, there might be trees, there might be, you know, a place for, for pedestrians to hang out or to stop, you know, for, you know, so that they don't have to cross a wide road, uh, all in one shot. And, uh, it really gets in the way of your racing. Um, so now <laughs> I'm against walkable cities. It really does anger me as a motorist, uh, to, to, to just... it could get, it could get into Maricot tour and then that could get into Maricot eight, which, you know, is immortal at this point, we must assume. And, right. uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, screw that infrastructure. Absolutely. Um, the cars should have all the space all the time because otherwise you crash and it's, uh, it's not good. Um, but the, uh, so, so those are fun. Uh, and like, it's just, it's weird. It's fun to explore Amsterdam. Of course, there's a lot of tulips. Uh, it's very pretty. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's like the, the thing they do with, um, those tour courses a lot is the fact that basically the laps are not the same. You know, like mm-hmm. they're really, they're really quite different. Uh, the sort of different routes. Like, so, some are like kind of, modified and then others uh some of these later two tracks or the you know later in them being added to maricai deluxe i don't know you know what the sequencing was like on the, in the uh, mobile game originally it, mm-hmm. it just seems like yeah i mean this is basically just a different track at this point you know you go from you know kind of yeah, you know driving uh you know uh among like the windmills or whatever in one lap to like going underwater in another to the tulips in another lap like yeah it, is, is really quite different and yeah they, they seemed like i mean that's the thing this uh uh bunch of tracks like basically mm-hmm. had four of them that were new to me because yoshi's island obviously is entirely new like i assume it will show up in maricot tour but it hasn't to this point and then three tracks from tour which you know are new to me because i've not played that mobile game so that that half mm-hmm. of them being new is a kind of a, uh, perhaps some of the you know kind of equation here but a lot of them seem pretty interesting to me like you know they, they seem like there's a fair bit going on because as we covered you know when they went up like some of the earlier ones yeah, it kind of felt like you were incorporating some relatively kind of basic tracks. I mean, I guess, you know, the Mario one from the, it's not the most basic speedway track in Mario Kart DS because that's Luigi, the Luigi mm-hmm. speedway or whatever, which I think they already did. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it's still pretty standard. And then like the, the Riverside one, uh, from the, you know, GBA is also, you know, pretty ordinary, but a lot of the rest of them, are, you know, felt like you're know, still, you know, quite engaging tracks. Yeah, I, th- well, that's one thing that I noticed because, yeah, you had pointed out last time, last time that, uh, some of these came out, uh, when Wave 3 came out that the, they, they seem to be done with the kind of the easy, tr- simple tracks and, but now they're back and I kind of wonder, like, is it because we're back to the, the start of a, a line 
of cups on uh you know on the menu screen yeah it's kind of yeah because like that's the this is like the beginning of the second half of the booster pass isn't it you know right. we got, we got, and, and, and of course they've decided now that characters will be included because you've got, you've got birdo but they've got more gaps in the character selection screen suggesting that you know subsequent updates will also have new characters not just birdo so mm-hmm. yeah it kind of feels like yeah this is almost like a a little bit of a reboot for the for the booster pass yeah um but yeah so so uh i'm enjoying these a lot and yeah like so, some of these are uh have a complexity to them the yoshi's island track uh it, it really made my day like it's really as pr- pretty much everything they could have hoped for with the uh the little like doop 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 yeah <laughs> before yeah, they, the, the start it, actually starts they, they've done it for like you know animal crossing f-zero you know where they've yeah. had those sorts of tracks where you have like the bespoke like kind of victory fanfares and you know all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff sound effects in some cases or the currency the coins you know like right, they're yoshi like, coins you yeah. got yoshi coins here and stuff so yeah it's kind of getting the treatment as if it's like an entirely separate franchise which I mean, is a bit obviously you know but it's more you know within Mario than than F Zero, but you know, yeah, that, that it's got that kind of level of um, like attention to detail and stuff. I do, I I do like it when they you know do stuff that feels more embedded in you know kind of Mario history and the other games mm-hmm. you know i mean it's like it's a small thing really it's not terribly important but and you know it doesn't matter too much but you know there's a lot of mario tracks that are just like well it's a speedway but you know there's a pipe and there's a few toads <laughs> or you know it's a farm and that's it there's not really anything other than mario about it it's a farm uh you right. know but the, the, to have the tracks that's just like oh, no, we're gonna get as many sort of like references in as we possibly can you know, with this like you kind of go through little tours of different like yoshi's island like it's really quick but it's just like oh yep here's just a tiny little bit of crystal and caverns before we go all the way up into the sky and then come back down again and you know mm-hmm. that, that red kind of uh, broken line platform that we talked about from the trailer and yeah all, all the little touches uh you know it's just like yep yeah, this is you know i could, could stand for a few more of these uh yeah certainly before the booster pass is over but also you know uh, bef- just in general with mario kart uh but i mm-hmm. mean there are quite a lot of really cool what well, yeah there's just so many tracks there you, you certainly could pick, point to others they've already made that have this kind of level of, of detail in them yeah, I, I, no, it's true. Like, Super Mario Kart was so closely tied to Super Mario World. Um, and like the ghost houses, the, the, the yeah. Bowser, um, levels, like, the, it was all like donut planes. The, the, like, it was the, like the chocolate, one to one. the chocolate world or whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So, so, uh, but then, like, as soon as, uh, as early as, uh, uh, Mario Kart 64 came out, yeah, you get the farm. Although now, like, I would not, uh, like, th- those cows are very cute. Uh, they, they breed. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of like Mario Kart history now, isn't it? You know, it, yeah, well, yeah. it was in Mario Kart 64, so it's a thing. But like originally, like no, it's not a thing; it's a farm. <laughs> right? Yeah, but like the you know, like in the especially like in Mario Kart 8, like the the cows uh, eventually like they're just walking all around, and they uh, yeah. uh, like it's the early morning. You know, it's cold. You can see the the breath uh, that they they exhale, and like, that's it. I, I mean, I obviously, with the, the 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 the, the Mario Kart 8 graphics just bring a lot more to it, don't they? And the music as well. Like I, lo- I love the music on that level. 
I have been playing like the uh, N64 uh, game recently just because it's there. And I just, uh, <laughs> I, I was shocked. Like, oh, do the cows not even wait? Where are the cows? Um, and they're not on the track. They're in the fields. Like, uh, what you get on the track is, uh, the, the, the gophers, the, uh, whatever yeah, you call them. Monty, Monty Mole. The Monty Moles, right. Um, and I was so confused. Uh, so yeah, so lots, yeah, like the, the, they've really, um, added so much to these tracks. Uh, it's, it's hard to remember when you've been playing Mario Kart 8 yeah, for the, the past, past 10 especially years. Especially someone's, someone's that have been remade multiple times. Like you, just, yeah. you, you do, you start to get hazy on what it was actually originally like and stuff. But yeah, I mean, the, these treatments have, have generally been, uh, really, really good. Um, and then like I said that with this though, you've got, you know, four, four tracks that I haven't played before. I mean, I guess the Waluigi one, like, is, is the one that's just like, I got it. It's funny, like, playing that. It's like, oh yeah, like, I do remember this, but I haven't thought about it in ages. Like, and I played right. Double Dash quite a lot, but this was the one that was just <laughs> like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, if it was, I'm pretty sure it is coming at some point, that dinosaur track or that DK one I already described that's the forerunner to the DK snowboard one. It's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I would have been much, but this was just, oh yeah, I guess there was like a Waluigi dirt, uh, track. One, whereas like you know, in Mario Kart sixty four, it was the Wario was the dirt track. Well, I'd really quite forgotten it uh, about as much. Even it was all in there somewhere. But yeah, when you get the the music kicking in, obviously the you know the the, the much nicer instrumentation music uh, kicking in uh, and everything. Uh, it, it, I, I thought uh, actually it was quite fun, but it, it just surprised me how much I blanked it in my mind. You know, it's just like when I think of Waluigi tracks, I guess I was just thinking like the pinball one, which they've already mm-hmm. done. And stuff rather than that. Yeah, Waluigi Stadium is weird because it's mostly just a Wario Stadium, except that this one has like kind of those half pipe things, like yeah, where you climb up the walls, you can uh, jump off and, and grab like uh, extra coins or uh, an item box. Uh, but that's basically it. It's the same uh, like rings of fire as uh, the, the the Wario Stadium. Um, and it's it's weird because like you've got DK Summit as well, which has like the half pipe thing going on. So yeah, there, there's yeah. I find that there's a lot of that in this wave of uh, DLC. Yeah, um, not, not real, not really sure of the whole. And it, I mean, it hasn't been because of, I think yeah, because of the close ties to Maricot Tour. There's no, mm-hmm. you know, the the, the whole um, anti grav like element of Maricot has been you know very much de-emphasized in uh, yeah. the, you know the, the, these the, these extra tracks. But yeah, that that for, for this uh, pack, like the sort of substitute for that, yeah, is those kinds of. And especially the thing is like it's kind of cool. Is what I always do, as I mentioned before, is I always play these straight away at 200cc for maximum chaos you know it's just like <laughs> no especially when four of them are new to me it's like i don't know what the hell i'm doing but i'm going to be doing it very fast uh but yeah it's, it's good on those tracks it's just like well i'm you know veering towards the side at incredible speed but it's okay because it's not a hard barrier i just go up and come back down <laughs> so it kind of works yeah um, and yeah, other than that, I don't have much to say except that, uh, Singapore Speedway has, uh, um, rooftop pools, uh, where it you does. have Goombas and, uh, float, float, float tubes, um, in the pools. And, uh, I think that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I know they can't swim. Both, both right. the, the, the Bangkok, uh, yeah, the Singapore, like, don't they both have, like, the idea of you actually racing on water? 
Whereas, mm-hmm. obviously, like the Amsterdam, you go underwater like that. that that's kind of, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know whether, have we done that yet in Mario Like actually just sort of skating on water? Like, because uh, going underwater has been a thing in Mario since Mario 7. But like, big, big mm. in the idea of like, well, no, you're just kind of on a like water feature almost. Like, uh, I, that, I, I guess I sure haven't been paying attention enough i just thought like oh those pools or the, the that uh canal must be just uh really uh shallow but yeah i guess uh i don't know so so you're racing like is the idea that you're racing so fast that you're just like skipping in the water then yeah i wasn't sure i wasn't sure what, mm. what the idea was there yeah like you say i guess it's probably mostly just like well that it's it's shallow enough that we don't go into you know submersible mode or whatever. and and it's confusing enough that when you do go eventually race underwater in one of those uh i think it's bangkok rush uh like eventually like in one of those like second laps that's not like the first lap uh mm-hmm. it deviates you know changes your route and then you do go underwater and it, it's confusing as hell because you're like oh shit oh shit where do i turn where do i turn oh no okay i just go straight i'm meant to go in, in the water yeah this is yeah this is <laughs> this is what it's meant to be yeah. i mean they have those arrows and stuff to try and help you with the fact that the track changes uh i, I know, just get getting the... like blooper ink on my screen and uh very annoying <laughs> when you don't know the track at all no yeah like so you, when you go in fast as well it's like super the 200 cc as well it's just like you know i mean it, <laughs> it, it can get like you said something they have those bits where it narrows down quite a lot in the tour tracks as you already alluded to with the urban planning element mm-hmm. of it like yeah the, those are really perilous when you try to go that fast it is just like you know, i just always need to remember like okay let's change the cart parts to something you know that's correct because when you race online 200 cc barely ever comes up so right. you have different cart parts for, for that. So don't just go ahead with those. Get ones with better handling, you know, better acceleration, because you are actually going to have to brake like mad and then speed back up again. Uh, and, and with the tour tracks, I think it's even more true that it's just like, yeah, there's these narrow little bits and everything's happened really, really fast. It's just completely crazy. And, yeah, it's, and some of them I've only played once. So there's going to be, um, you know, some more learning to be doing. So I, I, so far i've managed to get the the three stars you know we win every race and then you get the the the, um yeah the three star kind of uh badge for completing the cup like that but um you know it can't it's it's so easy for everything to go horribly horribly wrong in 200 cc for a reason other than just you know items have decided that it's not your day which can still happen obviously but (laughs) yeah absolutely uh, but yeah, that's that's basically all I've been uh, playing. That's my new business. Although okay. you know, my time is filled with uh, Wind Waker, basically. Yeah, yeah, I've got, I'm not. I'm gonna have to pick up the pace. I'm only like one dungeon down. But well, we haven't set a date, so you don't technically have to pick still, up the though, pace. Still, though, if I kept on the, if I kept on this pace, it'd have to be like after tears were kicked. It, it has so. to be in March. I'm I'm not there in April, so. Okay. All right. Well. It uh, we'll figure it out then. But I'm I'm not committing to figuring it out today because I haven't even started yet. So <laughs> uh, now, I uh, granted, I've played that game so many times that like I don't need to play the whole game front to back. I I I think I beat it once in about uh, a, I think I, I think I pretty much started it and ended it on the same day once. Um, I was homesick, so 
I just sat there with the fever of like 103 Fahrenheit and just kept popping Tylenol to keep my fever from bubbling over and played that game for like, I don't know, the whole day. So already, like I, I'm two dungeons in, uh, already I've had to swear to Karen that uh, I would not keep saying like, thank you. Um, oh, like God. I, I'm done with that. So, well, you, I mean, the good news is that um, you're not, committed to doing a 100% collection run of Star Fox Adventures Dinosaur Planet like the Nintendo World Report uh, <laughs> Twitch crew is currently doing. Twitch.tv slash Nintendo World Report. Um, is, that, is, that that call, is that like colon all the Bathmadads or whatever? They, yeah, they, basically. Uh, which is a terrible idea. Like, dumbest idea any human being has ever had ever. Like, we're talking jumping off a building without a parachute going, ah, it'll be fine. Um, so... Uh, at least in that one, you don't have to deal with the no, no, no. That's too much. <laughs> that that rare felt was appropriate to put in their video. Game. Okay. Okay. Really I was, was wondering much. where you were going with that, but yeah, yeah. The uh, the shop the shop ghost in that game because it is a ghost. Uh, <laughs> is one of the worst rare voices of all time, and that's a high bar. Because if, if, if dinosaurs are real, through. if dinosaurs are real, I feel like ghosts probably are too. Thanks, you flat earther. What were you saying, Greg? I still have not played through Star Fox Adventures. So I've not actually sort of, you know, Don't. It, when you think about it, when I think about it, having played, you know, Banjo uh, 1 and 2, you know, always, I played DK64 even years later, but I did play it. Like, when I really think about it, it's like, mm, yeah, I don't know. Giving them the power of voice acting probably isn't a good idea. So no, <laughs> it wasn't. It turns out, but uh, you know, I probably should watch that stream or you know other playthroughs just to get a, a feel for how much they abuse. I've seen, uh, you know, other people I knew had a copy. I've seen, I saw some of the early game, but it's as far as so I had a little taste of it around about when it came out, but not much. I remember when that game came out, I rented it and I got as far as, um, at some point, like you get a ball that you can throw uh, to Prince Tricky. Yeah, um, his name and, is Prince Tricky. And the, um, the, I think the game at some point says, uh, if you keep doing this, you'll get a surprise. And so I kept, uh, throwing the ball at him, uh, and, and like for way too long, eventually I realized like, oh, when he keeps changing color, that's the surprise. Yes. That's what I get. Yeah, I was expecting like a piece of heart, you know, like something. Welcome, welcome to this fucking game. Yeah, yeah, it's it's bad, and Prince Tricky's voice makes you want to punt him into the sun. So you know, I, I would say it just swings and roundabouts, but to make I this more appropriate, but there's star- none of the there's none of the good parts. Star Fox does have a starship, so he does. I think you get it's to feasible. Use it for a, you, you no, you get to use it for about seven minutes. Right. I'm just saying, if you want to send Prince Tricky into the sun, you've got yeah, the means yeah. to do so. It could be like the very end of Jet Force Gemini, you know, where you fly Floyd into the heart of the thing to blow it up, but you're just flying Prince Tricky into the sun. It's also kind of <laughs> like the end of the Phoenix Saga in X-Men. <laughs> it's just, oh. you, can't, you can't risk it falling in the wrong hands. We're going to have to fly him into the sun. <laughs> oh... <laughs> God. Um, all right, so I'll talk about what I've been up to. Um, and I'll start with uh, the anti-grav and Mario Kart because today was a Mario was the Mario movie f- final trailer direct. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which prominently featured Mario Kart content, which I'm really surprised they're not saving for the sequel. Uh, but uh, I, I guess get- you can't hold back too much. I mean, you know, these, they, they do Mario Kart is such a ridiculous commercial juggernaut. You I, just they probably feel yeah. like you got to fire that gun now. I, mm-hmm. See, I, I'm guessing now where the hype's at, they probably wish they had held it off because because now I feel like a sequel is almost inevitable. I do, um, I'm just hoping that like it looks all cheerful and stuff in the trailers, but when you get to it, it's basically the Harvey Dent chase sequence from The Dark Knight. You know, the, oh, there the we go. Bowser's going to be driving something that says slaughter is the best medicine on the side of it, although that joke doesn't mm. really work phonetically. <laughs> I... Um... Yeah, no, but y- you've got a good point, uh, James, because, like, now, like, okay, they've used that Mario Kart, like, in the sequel, they're going to be, like, playing tennis, golf, it's going to be like, right. oh, yeah, shit. Yeah, like, what, what's the, because the, the, it's, it, 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 this movie is really all about, like, what visuals can I put in the trailer, and that would have been, a like, a freebie in a sequel, but, you know, for this one, you, you don't need to spend that credit, because you just get the credit of what did they make Mario, Bowser, Peach, etc. look like in this game. Or in this movie, how did they make them sound like you get you get all the surprise credit just from the, you know, the the core conceit of we're making a Mario movie. You didn't need to fire the Mario gun, uh, the Mario Kart gun yet. You could have you could have sat on that or the DK gun. That was the other thing I thought they were going to say for the sequel was DK. And now DK is prominently featured in this fucking movie. Uh, we got to see Fire Flower DK in this trailer. Which would not have gone well. DK with firepowers would have just caused everyone to get burned. And not, like, deliberately. Just, like, everything's on fire. Uh, but, yeah. So, we got that trailer. But I was actually mentioning it because I was kind of surprised by, like, how very Mario Kart 8 it is. Like, the the cart that they show, the anti-grav cart of, like, clinging to a wall is literally just the generic cart from Mario Kart 8. Like, it's it's really, really on the nose. Hmm. Uh so they're already there. So if you don't get it from your Mario Kart tour co- tracks, you will get it from the movie, which comes out in uh, a month, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It got moved up a little, little less. Yeah, yeah, because because the move up makes different, yeah, a bit different in different territories. But yeah, it's roughly that. The, the The highlight of the direct wasn't the stars on screen, none of which seemed like they really wanted to be there. <laughs> the fact that, or the fact that Peach's voice actress is wearing uh was wearing a dress made out of coats. I was I was dis- I was disappointed that because uh, they chose to have yeah Anya Taylor Joy and Jack Black kind of together separate from everybody else that uh, right they, they just didn't do a very bespoke Anya Taylor Joy movie reference and have Jack Black say Wouldst thou like to live deliciously to her but. <laughs> <laughs> I'm frequently disappointed because I have unrealistic expectations. Is the real yeah. punchline? No, I think I think that was uh, fair. All um, the kids would have gotten it. Oh yeah, yeah. all, all, the, all, the, all the, the the hipsters. Yeah, the- <laughs> Sorry, John just texted me. Okay. <laughs> um, he just uh, heard about youngsters and just all had to text yeah, his. Whoop, there well, it is. Oh, they're so talking about he's a burning. Well, now we can't edit this co- this part of the conversation out. Um, I, uh, I, I, the part of the of the whole direct is only like five minutes. Uh, that really got my t- well. There's two. There's one where they uh really in exacting and unnecessary detail explored the origins of Mario Day, as if Mar Ten wasn't obvious. No, like they- I, I think we have all come to the part in our lives where we have to realize that nothing is self-explanatory 
But like, to, like they did, they they said what it was, then they showed it on screen, and then Miyamoto's voice, Miyamoto's, well, I think it was pretty, it was Trennan, but Miyamoto goes, uh, d- "Do you see it? It's, <laughs> it looks like Mario. It's like no shit. I'm aware." <laughs> Um, but it was the, no, the highlight for me was, and at the, at the, after the trailer, after they did their last rounds with the stars, they cut back to, to Mr. Mimoto and he goes, we have an, and one special thing for all viewers in the United States, which is like, oh, what are they going to do for, for the U S viewers? We've recreated Mario's boots from the movie <laughs> and they'll be on display at the Nintendo store in New York city. So for everybody in the United States, he's, he's very inclusive. Yes, a very small geographic area, in one place in the country, they have created a pair of non-human scale boots. Go see them. Book your flights now. It's like, did anybody see, listen? This is sort of reminding me of that email we got with it suggested, like you know what Kirby's feet would look like if they were regular feet that actually filled shoes that size. Right. And I just refuse to use that email because I'm not going to encourage that behavior. Oh, it's a visual email. So, I mean, it, it, you know, it was uh, the deck was stacked against it with whatever we did uh, immediately. Right. Um, but, like, th- <laughs> it was such an insane phrase. Is, it, that is peculiar. <laughs> That's not something I would have uh, imagined, you know, for all the just, kind of like, publicity things one could do. And it was just a shot of these boots that are obviously not human wearable in a display case. No, it's again, like, I mean, you, you'd have to have some some kind of feet, wouldn't you? <laughs> Presumably to, to actually feel f- those things. Fuck. Uh, meanwhile, today, uh, at, the, at the exact same time, Capcom was doing their stream where they showed a bunch of stuff. Uh, we yeah, have a yeah re- I saw this uh, yeah, as well. I haven't watched all of it yet. I've watched a couple of the trailers. Yeah, I, I don't think I've, I was kind of doing other stuff, so I was a little bit in and out. But I think I you know, got most of it. I mean, they, I think it was out there beforehand. It's like, don't go crazy. We're not going to announce anything new. It's just we are, we are as the name would suggest, spotlighting the stuff that we've got that's uh, coming in the next few months, basically. Uh, you know, but uh, it did include plans for a virtual theme park. <laughs> it did. It's Capcom Land. It's Nintendo Land, but worse yeah, for the they're, the they're... company's anniversary. You know, the the fortieth, right? And it's like, you know, it's like yeah. So I, I missed that part because I was trying to do t- two things at once. And Seren messaged me saying, uh, "Look, Capcom made a metaverse or something along those lines." <laughs> and that phrase alone was enough to send a chill down my spine. Um, I ah. Uh, Capcom, you fucking lunatics. Uh, they, we do have a release date for Ghost Trick. It's June 30th. Play Ghost Trick. Play fucking, go- play fucking Ghost Trick. Yeah, did they, did, was, was there a little more detail of what they do with the music that they'd offered there before in terms of that there are like the kind of rearranged versions and, and yeah, maybe it's some I, I, new music, but you can uh, also just at any time, you know, uh, seamlessly switch to the original soundtrack if that's what you prefer. It's very the original soundtrack is very good. So, um play Ghost Trick. Mhm. So yeah, that that was kind of the Capcom stuff, but also Level 5 did a thing. Yeah, today. I, didn't, I didn't see this. Yeah. Because like fuck it, I don't know why today, but today's the day, I guess. 
Yeah, no, no, there's, like, there's a lot, especially like you said, when you factor in the sort of proximity of the expansion pack updates with Mario Kart and Metroid Fusion, and yeah, the, the, yeah. The, the, this is kind of why. Yeah, so I was originally thinking I'd talk about Doom Eternal, but all this stuff kind of yeah shunted it out. Really. <laughs> this was the the level five Vision Showcase, um, 2023, and so uh, they they showed uh, five or six trailers. Um, Inazuma 11 Victory Road, which is coming to the West. Uh, Inazuma games have a spotty history of making their West, uh, making their way out of Japan. This one is definitively coming. They basically committed that they're going to release all of their stuff worldwide. Like they, 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 the peak of their powers before this, this renaissance was they were releasing internationally. They stood up a North American and, and European publishing house. They then, they then almost immediately shut them down. Uh, but they did do it. Um, uh, they showed Fantasy Life colon, oh, excuse me, Fantasy Life I colon oh, yeah. the girl who steals time. We got a trailer of that. It was fine. We got we got Megaton Musashi Wired, which they still want to be a thing. Um, we got a Deca Police trailer. I still need to figure out what the fuck that game is. It still looks like an anime for twelve year old boys. Not that, uh, that don't, I don't say that derisively. No, uh, no, obviously, yeah, they've they've done stuff in that vein, yeah, quite a few times. So oh, yeah. down the years, so just most be, of yeah, what uh, they've done is uh, like in the Zoom Eleven is is that, but just soccer themes, right? Right. This this are these are police with space guns. Um, and then the important part I want to talk about is they showed a trailer for Professor Layton in the World of Steam, and uh, I I have either of you all watched this trailer. I've seen um, a still thing from it, but not, I've okay. not seen the trailer. All right. Yeah, I'm going to I give watched you, it. Oh, okay. Well, then, Guillaume, let, let Greg try to answer this one. I'm going to give you a single thing, and you tell me what you think it is. Steam Bison America. <laughs> and, uh, no, I've seen this reference. That's the name of the place, right? Is that yes. the name of the city or something? That, right, That's where Luke's it, living. Yes. Is it close to Raccoon City? or I don't know. Is, is, is this like alternate Buffalo? Is that what this is? I don't know, but Steam Bison mm. colon or comma America is the best. And that's how they wrote it. No one in the United States, when you're mailing here, ever writes city comma country. Ever. Why? Because we have like right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Steam Bison Steam Bison belongs to all of them. (laughs) Well, you know, uh Herschel Layden is not from America. So I mean you do you do the same thing in UK postal addresses. Yeah, it's still, it's still, uh, yeah, seems like, uh, also, you know, he's a, he's a sort of man of the world, isn't he? Is he expected to do a sort of a fully when in Rome type protocol? Steam Bison America. It's fucking unbelievable. What a <laughs> I, it, I want to put in the trailer, it comes up on the screen. Steam the thing Bison, is, well, I, comma, I, the, America. The, the sense that I get is that Steam Bison is clearly such the heart of America. That if you had something that you needed to put on display for the entire country, like Mario's boots, Mario's you'd, boots, you'd put yes. it there, wouldn't you? You'd put oh, it in absolutely. Steam So this is this is the alternate something in America versus the alternate London. Um, but the the premise here is that so it, they had they hadn't officially said Luke was in this unless you had solved the puzzle on the Leighton teaser website that they'd put up. <laughs> There was a little like uh, Picarat style clicking puzzle on there. Uh, if you the 
the teaser was like that really, really zoomed out picture of the Steam World with Leighton in it. It was just like a tiny little like silhouette in the crowd. If you clicked him in the silhouette, you got this prompt that came up that was like you can download wallpapers because apparently it's a 1996 website. <laughs> uh, That's the best going. And, and one of them had Luke in it. So, like, okay, Luke is in this game. Um, but so the the premise is Luke's gone to America. He's been there for a year. And in his time there, he's used his mystery solving experience to apparently just solve a shitload of mysteries and become super popular. I'm not even joking. That's the premise of this game. Is it? You kind of feel like though that could be as, uh, it could be bullshit. Like, old oh, Luke Luke's is just making it up. Yeah, you know, I mean, like, or oh, there's something behind it that's more, oh, you may- know, maybe, yeah, maybe, more maybe than Steam- it seems. You know what Does I mean? Is Steam Bison America one big like playground to test Luke's skills? Is that what this is? Yes. How do we know if if, if it seems odd? Like, well, that is, it's actually this entire city didn't exist until last week when it was hastily this constructed like- for for this <laughs> charade. Imagine, imagine everything Luke's gone through since he was like a six year old. How does he trust anything? Yeah, like, it's true. He, it's true, isn't it? Uh, if he goes to a zoo and sees an animal that makes him slightly perplexed, he's immediately trying to rip its mask I, off. I'm just imagining, you know, somebody, you know, the, the sort of line from, you know, various things, really, but, you know, like The Matrix or Westworld or whatever, where someone very calmly sort of says, have you ever questioned the nature of your reality? And Luke's like, yeah. Just a bit, mate. You obviously don't know me very well. Fucking hell. Every fucking day. <laughs> Are you a steam-powered robot? I need to take your head off to be sure. Um, he's apparently written a letter for Leighton to come help him because this thing is is beyond his his capabilities. So yeah, Leighton Leighton is going to America to Steam Bison America. Do they? The uh, quest. The real question is if you you know wanted to do business there. Do you have to have the proper reserves of the bison dollar? Oh, I mean, absolutely. If if you don't, like, why? Uh, how are you going to afford to wear to ride your snail shaped steam taxi? <laughs> Which is a real thing. Um, that I I don't I don't understand. Um, I, I don't I don't understand. Um. So the uh the other thing we got we got to learn about the new world of Steam is uh that the questions are being developed by oh, I got oh I had the name earlier uh Quiznock which you've never heard of. I'm just going to tell you that right now. You haven't. Um hmm. uh, but they've they've worked with Sega before. Uh they've published a reasonably popular puzzle game on on Apple on ios but the the big thing they have is their fucking puzzle idols of course it's an it's an idol group like akb48 except they solve puzzles it's a bunch of dudes in there i don't know they look like they're in their late like maybe 18 to 25 um and they have a youtube channel which is just them solving puzzles I'm not even fucking kidding. And like the image they used in the trailer, literally they look like a bunch of idols. It's so weird. It's Japan is so weird. I, this, this is, it is the strangest place producing the weirdest content, but they're making the puzzles for this game, which I'm glad because the people who made the puzzles for, um, Catria fucking sucked. Um, this isn't, this doesn't promise they'll be better, but at least it promises they'll be different. And I'll take that because the ones they had weren't good. 
Um, and then the last thing, I'll just touch on it real quick because there's not that much to say about it. Um, I have been back in the eShop and suffering. Uh, there's an editorial about that. You should go read it. Um, but I, uh, I grabbed a game that was on there that was cheap and it seemed like people kind of liked it. And I was a little bit, um, surprised by that. So I just was like, yeah, whatever. Um, I'll make sure you get the, uh, uh, this is Salamander County Public Television. Uh, and this is a game where you play, quote, the professional thing doer for a uh, local public access channel in Salamander County. And your job is to film stuff happening in the county for content. The problem is everybody in the county has disappeared. Everyone, all of them, 100% of the population, all gone. The entire game takes place in a fake slack between your boss and his assistant and yourself. Um, in fact, I'll just I'll just read the uh, the eShop description. Congrats on becoming the newest hire of the Calamander Co- Salamander County's public TV station, SCP-TV. Unfortunately, everyone in the county suddenly disappeared except for your, you, your boss, and another employee. But the show must go on, so with your, with your new title, it's up to you to film all the activities that need to be filmed for the TV station. You should probably also try to figure out where everyone disappeared in the first place. Do features 25 different minigames, bronze, silver, gold medal targets for each minigame. Pretty much everything's a stock photo. A funny story involving a mouse with really big legs and lots of really dumb videos. And all of that is true. Everything in this game is made of stock photos, which is really funny. Um, all of the minigames are bad, but in this like weirdly bemusing way where it's like control a dog's giant tongue to get a ball out of a box of packing peanuts or inflate balloon animals to the right size before they pop. And like, it's like, um, try to get them as close to the exact size ordered as possible or, uh, drive a car that's using mushrooms as its wheels. And all of this just comes from the banter in the slack between your boss, who is desperately trying to find content that will generate ratings in a County with no people. And his assistant, who's consistently trying to tell him these are stupid ideas. And then you get stuck with the minigame that's tangentially related. That's usually not very good, but it's kind of funny to play twice. And then you move on to the next round of this stuff. Every It's basically a calendar's worth of stuff as you try to figure out where everyone on the in the county went. And also have a mouse with giant legs you talk to and... At one point, you try to get a hamburger for doing a puzzle. It doesn't make any sense. Um, but the game also contains, you know, is interstitial between every day. It introduces a new video that plays on this TV that's like content from the show. And it's it's got like really powerful Tim and Eric energy. Just these really surreal videos that are supposed to be content from the show like a guy who submitted because it's public access, so you submit your own content. Like a guy who rated the top ten chicken nuggets in this box, and it's him in this grainy film taking them out and comparing them shape and texture wise to it's the same box. And it goes on for like a minute and a half while there's a ticker at the bottom of the screen displaying. No, it's such a weird product, but it was I bought it for like six bucks, and I got about eight bucks of fun out of it. Uh, so there you go. That's what I recommend. If you want something that's really silly, like Tim and Eric inspired nonsense, but maybe also a little bit more weird. Yeah, go for it. The mini games aren't that good, but they're funny. So I'll, 
I'll take it to a certain degree. But everything feels janky, but deliberately so, if that makes sense. It's like fun jank. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's what I've been up to this week. And on that, I think we're going to wrap up new business. And when we come back, we are going to do a little bit of listener mail. So please stay tuned. We return to your ear holes to talk to you about listener mail. John will not be joining us today. Uh, we have received proof of life, so that's good. Um, but he's not going to be able to make it. We understand. Emails. I want you to send us emails. You can send us your emails. We love your emails. Send us email to rfn at nintendoworldreport.com. I would have asked one of you all, but apparently I would be accused of having ulterior motives or some shit. I mm-hmm. just, I just, I, I can't win. I can't win here. That's RFN at NintendoWorldReport.com. Send us your questions, your comments, your thoughts, your observations, your uh, highfalutin concepts that you think we would be impressed by. I don't care. Put it in the inbox. A third of you are sending us junk anyway. You might as well. Just commit. Send us your stuff. And uh, first email. Greg, would you please read it? Sure. MASB writes, hello, RFM Blade Runners. It's, um, it's, is that a reference to the thing that we, I was, you could be supposed to be getting me to react to? Well, that's what, that's my assumption. I don't know. I don't, I, I guess, yeah. Never mind, anyway. Having watched the latest The Super Mario Brothers movie direct. <laughs> Which we just talked about. (laughs) The most important news was that Mario's quote-unquote iconic boots will be on display at the Nintendo New York store. Mm -hmm. As Seren and countless others have pointed out, of all the things associated with Mario, his hat, not his boots, would first bring to mind as being most iconic. I would also say his moustache, but that would be pretty painful for Mario to have that on display by itself. Uh, let's take in other Nintendo or other, even Nintendo characters. What iconic item would you put on display in Nintendo New York to represent that character? For Chibi Robo, a plain wall outlet or one of Utsnack's finest may be in order. Uh, for Nintendo, where would Master Chief be without his cat helmet? And where would Twilight Princess's Agatha be without her golden bugs? Uh, the oh. city that never sleeps eagerly awaits your exhibit ideas. See you in space, losers. Well, again, no, without the context, which we're not going to give because John's not here. Um, it doesn't, doesn't do us any good, but, uh, I, doesn't Agatha also talk about like wanting to be covered in slime trails? I feel like a jar of her iconic slime would be, would attract. (laughs) Well, I've Mm. got, uh, you know, Agatha, uh, you know, it's not only in Twilight Princess, she's in another Zelda game, which brings me to what I think is the definitive answer. Hit me. It's the scarf from Hyrule Warriors. Yeah, boy, here we go. It, which I mean, might incite a riot, you know, because it would be viewed as might. a sort of troll, you know. So I thought, oh look, remember this that you can only get here when it's on display. You can't have it now either, you lousy beggars that people lined <laughs> up for and still didn't get. Yep. Okay. So uh, yep, uh, you want to talk about available. iconic? I mean, uh, it is. 
they're demonstrably, I think. And, uh, I, no, I think you're right. You I want think, to talk about coveted. Think... Coveted. I mean, you know, who's mm. ever wanted to get their hands on Marius boots? I mean, I don't, not, I don't think so. This thing is proven. People want it. <laughs> the market <laughs> has spoken. And as the usual, it's drunk. Is unmet. I, um, I, I, I feel like... Uh, MASB kind of missed the mark on his own email uh, because, you know, like Our I find that the suggestions, never. well, the suggestions for Nintendo Master Chief and his cat helmet, that, that's the problem is that it is too iconic, right? Like the Mario, we see, we get his boots, not his hat. Um, so I, I feel like any character get, that we're going to mention, like we should be choosing the most unimpressive well, yes, iconic, the, B, the B or C tier one for right. that character. Well, well yeah. see, I, I wonder though, like maybe it's it's not about just being like an iconographic stand-in, like the hat. Like if, mm. if I show you Mario's hat, you think Mario immediately. Like like e- even if you recognize Mario's boots, it's not that immediate like no. neuron fire. I've got I've got one for Metroid. It's Adam's hat that you have to rescue before <laughs> that- <laughs> the ship gets blown up at the end of other end. That that you, that you want to talk about iconic? It's, it's a you know it's a big hat. It's a very big hat, hmm. and and as as many uh, many states even to this day still seem to believe the larger the hat, the more important you are. <laughs> and, 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 you know, cheap cheap like it, they're about to like nuke that ship that the Hall of Other M takes get and she's like, I've got to go back in there immediately before it's going to get nuked, just to save the hat. So again, coveted. It's a, I can't it's argue. a very big hat. Like, it would be very expensive to replace. So, I was also going to go with uh, Metroid and Samus, but, like, instead of having, like, the helmet or, like, the arm cannon or something like that, why not just, like, one of the shoulder pads? Like, it, like, <laughs> like, it's like one just of iconic... Yeah. yeah, like if it's iconic enough, but it, you're going to be at first you, you see that you're like, what the hell, and then you realize, oh yeah, right, yeah. The, the, it's, the it's like is, is that is that Samus in Morph Ball? For- no, no, it's not. No? It's actually just a various suit. It's massive. It's it it's it's not about the answers that the icon puts in front of you. It's about the questions it creates <laughs> in your mind. I, I, I like I like where you're at. Like this is this is marketing one oh one here. We're really mm. we're really tapping into a new transcontinental interest like people don't really travel to New York for any reason right now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's not much to do there. It's kind of a boring and empty place. We're trying to create something that will draw like spectators and the interested parties from Wyoming. Texas, Florida. We we need people from all over to come to see something, and they're not going to come for answers. Do you think people would just line up at Stonehenge if they just wrote what it was on there? No, it's the mystery that draws people in. And that's one of the problems, I guess, I guess with the shoulder pad, because uh, I think in one of the manuals, at least, uh, they do explain that it's some sort of uh, uh, cooling system. Yeah, well, you get, it, you get it when you... I mean, it's in Metro 2, I forget. Yeah. Are they hot? places in metroid 2 or is it just acid i, f- I forget it, it's, it's, it's hard to tell because the thing is monochrome and i i was playing the the you know the game by color palette uh, i was playing the, the yeah. nso version and um the, the the stuff was blue 
which lulled me into a false sense of uh, safety, <laughs> and I stepped in it, and I was like, okay, oh shit, no, it's it But hurts. at least, like, in Super Metroid and all that, it's like, well, once you get the shoulders is when you could go in the hot place and, yeah. and they so you yeah, make sense you know these people you know that, that someone somewhere would think well perhaps they the you know some great cooling units uh you know the, 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 in there that allow just, just to two survive. window units mm. yeah but yeah I, I, I forget exactly how it goes in metroid 2 but yeah generally the var- the various suit is for places but uh, yeah, yeah it's just like the, the varia thing isn't that like some sort of corruption of barrier like that's actually what the japanese means is barrier Probably. but it became varia i always thought it was oh like highly variable temperatures or something but no no it was just it was just like it's just another one of those hydro things you know kid icarus hydra became hydro <laughs> <laughs> v, v is a very stupid letter when you try to translate it into Japanese and does lots of unpredictable things, so that would make sense. Hmm. Um, see, I like this though. See, we're creating mystery. We're we're, we're trying to get area... in- intrigue, a bleak, right? You know, kind Why of. Do pe- people don't go to Roswell because they know <laughs> what's going on. They go there because they're stupid. And we're trying to attract stupid people. So we need to come up with something that's going to make stupid people... And boots. Mm. Boots immediately, you're, like, there's no color to them. There's no mystery. They're boots. But what if they were like Link's metal boots? You know, the ones that you can stand <laughs> underwater. Yeah, that's No one can nick off with them if they stage the dead right. heist, can they? Wasn't that like, like one of the the uh, attractions at the Nintendo World uh, Park? Like you can just strap on metal boots and go in the pool. Yeah, it's called the drowning attraction. <laughs> um, yeah, it was adapted sign- from the Face Off theme park. <laughs> there are many waivers you must sign. But so, like the the, the idea here is, um, Disney World used to have an attraction, like an event, where they did the Sword in the Stone. And, like, there was just a, tri- a trip switch somebody hit that let it come out, and that kid would be, like, king of the day or whatever. It's a, it's a thing. Um, does that, does boots... that mean he gets put in the wicker, man? D- no, unfortunately. Uh, uh. Um, what if the boots, you know, the boots are in the in the image, we saw the boots behind a display case, which is the stupidest, stupidest, stupidest thing in the world. What if, instead, they're the iron boots from Zelda? No explanation. And they're just there on the street corner. Like they're not even inside the store, but they weigh 1300 pounds. And so it's really just a challenge of people to try to steal them. Can you find a way to steal Link's iconic metal boots? I bet you can't. And if somebody can, well, then congratulations, they win. They can sell them on eBay. But people are going to be coming from all over the country to try to steal those boots. And if you have to make them out of depleted uranium so they weigh so much no one can move them, then that just adds to the mystery. Why am I glowing in the dark after trying to steal these boots? Who can say? Turns out only two people can move them. Chris Hemsworth and a little bit Chris Evans. There you go. See? Problem solved. Yep. Like... if if as long as we know where they're filming content, we don't have to worry about it. These this is people are going to because like I say like hey if you can move the boots, you can have the boots. You just have to put up a barrier so they can't get like a lift or some kind of hydraulic equipment involved. Like it's got to be a person. And twenty four hours a day, you can just have a webcam pointed at it. People come and trying to steal those boots. They're not gonna be able to steal those boots. Those boots ain't going nowhere. They weigh three tons. 
Like I, y- you have made, you've taken an iconic element, but not a core element to Link's design because normally he just has regular ass boots. Now you've made it a challenge. You've made it an event. People are going to want to be there. They're going to want to steal there and they're going to fail. And you're going to get it on video. You can put that into all kinds of social media content. You can have a Twitch stream that's just people going to the Nintendo World Store trying to steal those fucking boots. So obviously uh, all the effort is going into that uh, for for this exhibition or whatever it is. So I'm guessing yeah. they, they have to make maybe make do with the rest of the items for other franchises uh, for Toad's this exhibition. Toad's iconic face. We peeled it off of him. Ugh. I was thinking more <laughs> like, uh, well, here's a, here's a wrench. Uh, you know Andy from uh, Advance Wars? Well, uh, that's his wrench. Yeah, sure. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's go with that. They just went down to Harbor Freight and bought one. Yeah, it's just, just various household items. <laughs> and it's all in but this is Andy's wrench. Uh, this is Cooking Mama's exotic cup. It's just a glass. Shut up. Um, I'm trying to think who would, what would, just like a rubber tire, he'd be like, oh, no, it's it's from the Mario Kart cart. This is tire from Mario Kart. It's, it, <sighs> what franchise have we not, have we not, like, really? Oh, Fire Emblem. We haven't done anything with Fire Emblem yet. Hmm. Um, honestly, it's, it's a, it's a piece of armor that only covers most of a woman's chest and nothing else. Just be like, what character is it? Yes. I, I I mean, it could be like, – there's there's some bad options here too that I'm so afraid of. So what I'm about to say uh, doesn't make any sense, but that's just the – for whatever reason, my brain came up with this. Um, you know, like uh, how at the aquarium you can just like reach and touch the whatever, you know, c- certain things. Like, yeah, like uh, a touch tank. Starfish, yeah. So uh, what if like there was a box and you could reach into – like you, you could uh, touch uh, Ike's face or Mars' face or whatever it is. <laughs> just like you do in your favorite Fire Emblems. Yeah, see, you were oh. thinking of that as an aquarium sort of analog. I'm thinking of it more of a sort of Dune analog. Put your hand in that box. <laughs> you can't take that hand. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> oh boy, I'm I'm leaning toward the world's weirdest glory hole. But okay, do you do you? <laughs> That's also which, where which, I was going. But like, I, is that going to get me? Is that is that the line too far for naming the episode the world's weirdest glory hole? Is that the point where Neil sends us an email? Is that is that the one? Oh, only one way to find out. <laughs> So, so how cowardly was James? Find out when this episode goes live. <laughs> because I've already got the TSI in my head. Oh, God. Uh, no, it's just, it's just somebody reaching through a hole, touching another face. It's fine. Everything's fine. It's just, I, I, uh, I know my limits. Yeah, just uh, touching faces like people normally do every week. I mean, as long I mean, we just need to wait until we have the Fire Emblem Hotel at the Nintendo Nintendo Land, where they where somebody comes into your hotel and stares at you and then wakes you up after a few <laughs> minutes. Tell, I'm telling you guys, this engage is creepier in every way than face touching. <laughs> um, I don't. I mean, at this point, really, it would just be Fire Emblem's iconic Marth. 
It's just a guy in a Marth costume sitting there because he shows up all the goddamn time. Yeah, in the spirit of just adapting like items that are just like just like some fairly ordinary just rings, surely at this point, like oh yeah, oh no no, that's that's, that's the, them, that's them for sure. I like definitely. The, I like just the, like, oh look, the, that that's that's uh, Waluigi's golf tee. It's not any old golf tee. Mm-hmm. It's, it smells of un, of uh, garlic and shredded cheese. It must be Wario's tennis for, sweat band. You know? Yeah, for for Wario, oh. I was thinking like maybe they get an actual garlic bulb and they they draw those you know <laughs> eyes on it just like uh, they have <laughs> in Wario Land. Garlic. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Um, yeah, we we have to. Yeah, let's uh, go through like the the main ones. Link. Um, I was thinking maybe like a, a pair of uh, beige slash flesh colored tights um, because of those uh, illustrations from the the you know first Nintendo game where it looks like. Yeah, does he have like the shortest skirt? Skirt or you know Link's iconic bottle of pink hair dye that he used. Yeah, I was going to say pink wig <laughs> for Link. But also, yes, yeah. Um, yeah, that's great. The, the The problem is that I, I actually really like passive aggressive. I just can't deal with this shit. Link of Breath of the Wild. <laughs> <laughs> but the problem is he doesn't really have anything iconic in that game by design. Well, uh, uh, outside the, of his the, underwear, I guess. The 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 biggest testament to the degree to which he just can't be fucking bothered is Zelda's diary. <laughs> Where she basically just writes, he can't be bothered. And I finally asked him why, and his response was, do you know what it's like being the hero all the time? It sucks. It's and like, his response I like was, Link. Scrap. <laughs> that is all he's capable of saying. So. Oh, I, 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 I prefer this Link. This, I'm just very put out by all this shit, Link. Um, hmm. I mean, it could just be like a handful of beans that Link paid way too much money for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so let's say you want to do Zelda then. What's what's? I mean, the Triforce would be easy, but oh, not interesting. That's way too. Yeah. So I, I, if, if you could top the Hyrule Warrior scarf, I'd, I'd, I'd be impressed. I know. I don't think we can, but like, I want to do one for Zelda herself. Right. Right. That's true. Yeah. So. Mm. I can't uh, think I of anything. Know. No, she's too boring. Yeah, is- I, I don't know. Like maybe, maybe yeah, it'd have to be like some one of the more interested incarnations, like something of Tetris. <laughs> Iconic. Please shut the fuck up. Worst boss. Wor- Tetris worst boss ever. Mug. <laughs> All right, so. So we did Mario. What what's uh what's Luigi's iconic item besides it's probably, probably just the plunger, isn't it? I mean it, 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 <laughs> again, it's got this just like this is a household item energy that you know that we we dress it up, but not only is it, you know, the the plumber illusion, but you do have the whole thing in Luigi's Mansion three where you sort of fire a plunger out to like you know kind of uh disarm oh, yeah. certain things so it's just like yeah mm-hmm. that, that's it that's the that's that's not just any plunger that's the iconic one so I was, I was thinking his his uh iconic passive aggressive diary about being left behind that shows up in all the uh <laughs> yeah, paper mario games. Yeah. yeah 
Uh, initially, I was thinking maybe like it could be his boots that are on display, and like uh, Nintendo tries I mean... to pass it off as like <laughs> yes. Mario's iconic boots, but like they're really pulling one over us. Yeah, like, we couldn't find oh. Mario's boots. Uh, it probably is, Luigi's. isn't it? Like the actual Mario ones are in a safe, you know, somewhere they're in some sort of like military grade uh, security <laughs> uh, facility. But yeah, they've just got Luigi's ones out. So if anybody does make off with them because they're not really ridiculously heavy, like Link's iron boots, then you know they, they, they've still got the originals. There we go. What franchise have we not done? I was thinking oh, of what, what we could pick from Donkey Kong that's not his tie. And unfortunately, that ape is naked. So <laughs> I can't really <laughs> think of anything. It's just it's just a barrel on fire. It's just a huge right. amount of bananas, isn't it? And it's like, look, it's the iconic mm-hmm. huge amount of bananas. Remember the, all the trouble you went to to get these back in DKC? Right, or maybe it's like his missing banana hoard, and you go there. It's, it's, it's like, just an empty display. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just empty, and like, yeah, it's, we told you, it's empty, it's, it's missing. It's the iconic lack of things. Hmm. Oh, it could be man. like one of those uh, art uh, exhibitions where you can uh, mess with the <laughs> yeah. art, you know? Like, basically, like, please leave your bananas here. And then, or you can take, you, you know, you can take one, you can leave one. And take it's like a this... banana, leave a banana. <laughs> exactly. I'm glad, you know, banana's really the kind of food you want to hoard, because they definitely last for... Oh, no, they famously last an extremely short period of time. Mm-hmm. DK, your retirement account is badly leveraged. What if... What if... Uh, see, I, I like the idea of it's just an oil drum on fire. It's like the eternal flame, but way more dangerous. <laughs> significantly more open. And also emitting very dangerous fumes. Oh, I've got indoors. it, by the way. I've got it. Because the, the, what is it? The, the series we've not talked about enough because, you know, Nintendo haven't recognized it enough. But if they want to start rectifying that right now, Mr. EAD's codpiece. Oh, oh, God. Jesus. Because um, people was... won't even know what it is. They'll think it's a Mario reference. <laughs> And then when oh. they do know what it is, they go, <laughs> they'll wish they'll, when they do know, they'll wish they didn't. So I'm looking up pictures of Mr. Yadi as I usually do. Uh, does yeah. he actually have a cut piece, or is that just like underwear? That's his bulge. It, it, it's, yeah, it's, mm. a, it's a question. For I mean, he, to he, is, he is a genetically created cyborg. So yeah, why, right. why, why wouldn't you go all out? You're making the perfect specimen. But yeah, but like I'm just he, saying, he, Mr. EAD got... is slinging, okay? That's it. All right. <laughs> That's not going to be a TSI, by the way. He's got the Starman on a belt. Uh, but yeah, I keep misremembering, I think. Like, is the Starman on his junk? But no. No, it's on his belt. Yeah. Um, I, I, uh, see, I think we were talking about, like, I just want to go, like, make a run to Target and buy a bunch of crap and call it a tourist exhibit. I think we've really missed out on Animal Crossing. Like, the prospects of blank's iconic blank is really just <laughs> yeah, a Target shopping trip away. Yeah, we're back to fruit again. Oh, <laughs> I know, but I mean, this is... I bought some grapes. The iconic peaches that only grow on certain islands. It's like, this is, uh... 
And you could go to like the um the secondhand store and buy an old sewing machine. Oh no, this is Mabel and Sable's iconic sewing machine. Like there like there's so many opportunities to just be cheap and mysterious. Oh, it's 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 all there waiting for you. This with the, behind my iconic bug net. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna make I'm gonna make so much money for the Nintendo store. We're gonna we're gonna make them just bank there's gonna be a line of idiots down the street i mean tourists down the street i've just got i've just got this idea if you know the episode of the simpsons where the uh, bart millhouse martin and nelson are going to the world's fair or whatever yes. <laughs> like, but, but they're going to the nyc nintendo store to see all this tat just oh, all these wigs <laughs> it's total rubbish oh, for think- animal crossing um you know, like you could just like uh, um, basically, I'm picturing like that that uh, that GIF of uh, oh my god, why would I blank on her name? Only one of the biggest talk show hosts, Oprah. You know, Oprah like bees, bees. You know, just releasing oh, yeah, bees on yes. our audience. So basically, and everybody's <laughs> freaking out. Like, it's, yeah. it's 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 their normal like uh, celebration yes. of the, when she announces the iconic stuff, scorpion but... from <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, or tarantulas, they chase you around yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, blue tarantulas. Yeah, it's, uh... it's an early thing with, uh, you were talking about the bleed zeitgeist of early Animal Crossing on Twitch. Like, tarantula islands were, like, were quite <laughs> prominent in that. So, yeah, this is, yeah. Oh, oh, see, there you go. So, so you walk into this door for the Animal Crossing exhibit, and suddenly they just drop a box of about a thousand tarantulas on you. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I mean, people thought one was hysterical and I'm alone. So, I mean, it'll be rolling all down the street with laughter if you do that <laughs> the best part is as you leave screaming covered in tarantulas the next person just walks in like nothing is wrong and i mean that happens uh, presumably what the first time alone and the second one's set in new york so if you just sort of smush them together you're pretty much there that's true and like because look if you see somebody come running out of a booth you've been waiting three to four hours to enter screaming covered in tarantulas your first thought is well certainly they don't have enough tarantulas to also cover me right <laughs> you think you're <laughs> safe yeah they must have exhausted the tarantula supply on that guy but no there are thousands of tarantulas in this box and we will continue to dump them at least you're seeing someone come out of that booth you know so it's not like oh they cleaned the place <laughs> they got rid of the body and now i can enter so it's a little bit reassuring in a way are you thinking of the suicide booth from uh, Futurama? No, it's not quite there yet. Right. Tarantulas won't kill you. They'll just... I don't know. If you're, uh, if you're, if you're in an Italian horror you. movie, they can kill you. But Well, yeah. if you're in an Italian horror movie, a slightly muscular man described as like the Zeus of his time in spandex can kill you too. What's your point? Um, Do watch Italian horror films. Don't watch them around children. Or anyone who has any sense of morality left, because they're all basically just the way of the director getting whatever his sex thing is out. Um, so, all right, so we have box of tarantulas, uh, we have a plunger, we have a wrench, <laughs> uh, we have some beans and some boots nobody can move. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. I think we, I think we've really like created Nintendo Land North at this point. I think like Nintendo Land itself can fuck right off. This is this is the true Nintendo Land at this point. Um so now that we've got all the marks coming up to New York to come see this and they they've 
they're all the way down the street, you know, the Nintendo Land or the Nintendo store in New York. It's got about a let's say it's a quarter mile long line. How do we get how do we get um exper oh, we charge those people for water while they're waiting in line. That's it. Alright. So now I've got my cut and we've made the iconic boots seem more iconic by proximity to our excellent ideas, that is. Mm-hmm. What if, what if like the prize for the tarantula booth is sometimes it's not tarantulas, but that's super rare. In those cases, it is scorpions. That person is <laughs> that person is going to die. They are covered in scorpions, um, but everybody else will be fine, mostly. One out of a thousand. One out of a thousand is good, right? Like, you too, know, that's too harsh. Even even Wolverine shit it at the idea of being covered in scorpions in the uh, X Men <laughs> animated show. That's, all right, that's... all right. One out of five thousand. You drive a hard bargain, but we are covering somebody in scorpions. This this is my my line in the contract. Mr. Basically, it was like you sucker all these people in with the promise of the Nintendo treasure drive, and it turns into fucking Takeshi's castle, isn't it? That's all it is. It's a it's a little bit of that, a little bit of saw, yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I personally feel like Saw is just a shameless Takeshi's castle ripoff. They- indistinguishable Tom, in any other way Tom, except to catch these castles more enjoyable Tom Nook's iconic uh, tarantula shower it's fine Jesus do we need to move on yeah I'm, I'm ready okay, to let's move, move on, on. alright uh, Guillaume would you read the second email sure actually I want, I want to make one comment real quick the, okay. the sign-off that uh, MASB gave us is, the city that never sleeps eagerly awaits your exhibit. Is, well, they won't sleep anymore after <laughs> oh, we're that, done. That's it. <laughs> Traumatized. <laughs> Can't sleep. Tarantulas will eat me. <laughs> okay, sorry. Go I gotta it. run. Oh, no. My, my feet are encased in metal boots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, probably at the bottom of the Hudson. Uh... <laughs> Ryan writes, Hey guys, I just saw the trailer for the Tetris movie on Apple TV+, and it's pretty crazy to see familiar Nintendo employees being portrayed in a major film. You guys should do a riff track or something after the movie comes out. I'd love to hear your opinions. So I finally watched this trailer in response to this movie. I don't, I mean, if we were still doing the, the, um, the Patreon episodes, maybe, but like, uh, Rift tracks like uh, don't those uh like aren't those actual work? <laughs> yeah, so so there are writers who watch those movies over and over and over and over and write right. jokes, and then the hosts just recite the jokes. <laughs> like now they to be clear, they also are engaged in the writing process. It's not it's not like they're not involved at all, but it's there's no improv in that or very limited. They might you know they they'll riff sometimes, pun not intended. But I mean, there is a script they are following. Um, yeah. So basically, what I'm saying is, uh, pay us. Yeah. And, uh, well, maybe. Yes. <laughs> I'm always saying pay us, but that's a different issue. Um, I, I, I just kind of wanted to use this opportunity to talk about the movie. Yeah, like the trailer looks really insanely over dramatized, which you'd expect. Like, I don't, I don't think Hank Rogers ever actually got shot at, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he did. Oh, yeah, um, I'm looking forward to the story of how he brought like the black onyx to 
SG-1000 or whatever in Japan, like, being reinterpreted to some sort of, like, mission, in, the original Mission Impossible, you know, there where he's go. got to, like, go down and, to, like, get that thing without a bead of sweat dropping onto the pressure-sensitive floor. Like, that's what I'm imagining. <laughs> It's just Hank Rogers suspended from the ceiling. Are we going to get screamed at by Mission Impossible fans for you calling the first uh, Tom Cruise movie the original? Oh, that's true, yeah. It, it, it's kind of overwritten. That the, there were like multiple TV series before that, right? They, they did like a revival yeah. in the 80s or something? Yeah, like, but yes. You know, you know, it, they've been so many of the Tom I mean, Cruise movies I, at this point that it's like that's yeah. all there ever has been, right? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, what are we up to? Like ten? It, I don't think it's quite there, Seven but it's a eight. lot. Yeah, yeah. A shocking over like twenty something years too. That's the part that's that's really no. That first one was what like ninety five, ninety six, something like that. There's uh, a, there, I mean, it had an N sixty four game. So yeah, yes. but I think the N sixty four game was like quite a bit later. But it was you know, quite in a that bit golden later. Golden eye kind of way, you know, like it was. But it's which years. is funny because it's it's not like those at all. Right, it's uh, it's garbage. And also, no, they, they, not- did, they didn't have uh, they did you could Tom Cruise likeness rights are the the most no. expensive likeness rights, so they didn't have those for the N sixty four game. I, I, I would I wouldn't say it's garbage. It's it's more of a spying game than than double seven gold. <laughs> 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 Which is just like a how many Russians can you kill game? Yeah, the I mean, there's, is, there's definitely the parts of Goldeneye where, you know, stealth is important, especially if you play on higher difficulties, but yeah, especially if you play on the agent, and it's just like, yeah, well, they keep on coming, but I can keep <laughs> killing them. <laughs> They're just not doing enough damage for this to not be sustainable. <laughs> they keep bringing me more ammunition to kill them. It's yeah, very precisely, yes, exactly. If they just came without guns, eventually they would overpower <laughs> me. <laughs> Eventually, they would punch me to death. Uh, whereas in in the Mission Impossible game, which I've played all the way to completion, actually, uh, it, if you aren't sneaky, you will fail. Um, I uh, I lost the plot there for a second. Uh, I think it's kind of funny that that this movie is coming out in a way because th- this is a story like the story of of. Uh, intrigue, I guess, is the right word. That was that was involved in Nintendo securing the rights for Tetris for Game Boy, um, which is super pivotal to the success of that platform. Like it was bundled with the system. It was the it was the killer app for a long time. Like maybe not until Pokemon came out, but it was the defining game of that system before Pokemon. Certainly, uh, it, it it made it viable. Mm-hmm. Um. Because Tetris was huge. I mean, it was it was fucking enormous. It's the uh, perfect game. It's the perfect game. Yeah, that that trailer is <laughs> kind is kind of bad in like a really funny way. Uh, there's definitely things that if we all watch the movie would end up as memes on this show, like dumb shit that we say to each other to crack each other up. Um, but it uh. It's weird seeing a movie where, like, you won't believe the story of, and I'm like, people don't know this? And that's when I realized that we live in a bubble. Yeah, because, I mean, this is, like, I mean, not necessarily even you would have to read it directly, but, like, it was was sort of uh, covered in Game Over by David Sheff, right? So it's it's kind of, and that was, when was that published? 
Oh, in the nineties, mid nineties, somewhere like so. Yeah, for, yeah. It, it it feels like quite a well worn, well, you know, a version of that. You know, kind of right. uh, I, I, uh, sort of uh, a, a a particular account of that. You know, it's kind of feels like a very well worn uh, kind of subject at this point. But yeah, you know, obviously, it's uh, many many people who are not going to be where that was a long time ago. You know, it probably must be roughly you know thirty years since that. Uh, book was published and all that so you know i mean even that part of it is like very kind of retro in itself uh and it it is an intriguing kind of it's always struck me as kind of an intriguing story of how you know something created in an environment that was not apt for you know it becoming a global you know smash uh how does that happen you know when when the game is created uh behind the iron curtain essentially um you know it was it was an intriguing story so it doesn't surprise me that the you know people have sort of come around to this uh at some point you know, might maybe in some ways you know you might have thought it might have happened sooner but maybe you know in a different kind the thing is is that you know you get different kind of levels of things you know like uh yeah, there was like a BBC TV movie about the kind of, um, uh, the kind of competition with uh, Clive Sinclair was in for like a public, um, you know, uh, computer contract, uh, that kind of strayed into games quite a lot. Um, you know, that, that, that you, you know, I guess it could have been covered in something like that. You know, but of course, because we're in the streaming kind of era where people are throwing money around to try and kind of, you know, uh, establish themselves in a particular market. Like it feels like, yeah, this is probably getting more money thrown at it than normally, or, or certainly in the past anyway, like a subject matter like this would, would necessarily have got. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, like the, I guess the 80s are in at this point. The late eighties, yeah, the kind early of 90s, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like the, yeah, late eighties, early nineties. It's been a generation removed kind of thing, so it's yeah, yeah, time to circle around. And I mean, like the 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 final countdown is all over that trailer. Oh uh, my god, it's it's it. Please stop putting that in your fucking trailers. It's yeah, right. it, that that one has been. I know we make fun of trailers for like doing the sort of the the formula of like let's take a song and, and slow it down and change it and stuff. But. Like make make menacing the final. It's the final. It's just countdown. so that that thing is so overused. There's just no getting around it, is there? But and he, it, that's it, the thing. I guess maybe it's overused for people, for old fogies like us. Maybe it's not so bad. For all right, all right, here, here, here's the rule: you can use the final countdown in your movie trailer if your movie has a final countdown in it. If there is a bomb on a bus that's going to explode if you drop under a certain speed or or a time expires, and those are the only scenarios you may use this song. And no, they're terrible scenarios, so don't do it. Yeah, I don't know no, how I feel about this. What the fuck this. are you talking about? They're great scenarios. Mm. Uh, those are those are Oscar-winning scenarios. Like it, it, Unless it's that specific scenario, you're not allowed to use that song. Period. End of conversation. Can't use it. Just no more. No more. Done. Or if you're Job in Arrested Development, I think that should be allowed not, to stay. Job's not doing trailers, though. Job's, yeah, Job is okay. performing. And he, that's the thing. Job's using that song because that song's overused. It's a joke. Like, they, they, they're making a joke about people using that song inappropriately and, over, and just overusing it. 
So if you're using that in your trailer, you're a Job. Don't be a Job. Job's never done anything good in his life. But you, don't, you're making, you don't think it, that this uh, movie knows what it is and you know or do you think it's trying too hard to wink and nod at the mm. audience and like we know we're being oh, silly oh it's, it yeah absolutely yes okay yeah like it, it went like, too far with the yeah but being, like yeah. you're not but here's the thing they've already made the joke now like somebody's already made the joke so now you're just biting on their joke which is worse so like yeah if you if you use the there's no basically unless you're making speed three you're not allowed to use that song and Keanu I've Reeves ne- has got to be I've in it. I've never seen Speed 2, so I've, I can't properly evaluate it's bad. what the... No, no, uh, no one has. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it. It's bad. All, all I can think of is that I can't even remember what the joke was in Family Guy, where, a- where Stewie goes, Jason Patrick, <laughs> Because yeah, he replaced I'm- Keanu, essentially, and that Sandra Bullock came back. And Willem Dafoe was the villain, I believe, but I've not had the pleasure. It is meant to be terrible. When it's just like, well, you know, I mean, Speed was, you know, <laughs> wasn't that great. <laughs> if it's that much worse, it can't be a particularly fine uh, purveyor of the action film genre, I guess. Yeah, it's... Uh- like the stuff in Speed that's really funny is effectively missing from Speed Two. Speed Two is just like we took Speed and we're just like, yeah, we're just gonna we're just gonna make it super speed. We put it on a it's boat. Be a, with us, it's we on put boat. on a boat. I mean, what more do you need? And it's like no, but see, the thing about Speed that made it funny was how small the stakes were. It's like we're gonna shut down all of this fucking city for one bus. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, it would be a tragedy if people uh, so on that It's bus a very died. pre-pandemic movie, isn't it? I think we all it's, know. Yeah. Now, like, so, well, someone terrible. would just firebomb the fucking bus just to get the traffic moving. Like that, <laughs> problem solved. <laughs> problem solved. And hey, the bomb would be disposed of. We wouldn't have to call on the bomb squad. We don't have a budget for the bomb squad. Are you fucking kidding me? Budget cuts, man. We got budget cuts. No, nah, but a boat. I mean, we would never, <laughs> we would never sacrifice the population of a cruise boat. Absolutely not. That would never happen. Never, ever, ever in this post-pandemic world have we ever said, no, well, everyone on that boat's probably going to die. Um, it's unthinkable. Undoable. I don't know. That, I just, I feel like this, this is going to be one of those things where, like, we watch it. And we know the story, and we're like, yeah, I don't think Hank Rogers ever had a shootout as he drove a lot of through Moscow trying to get away with the Tetris source code. I feel like this is probably over the top. <laughs> but 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 people who who are watching it are going to be like, wow, boy, or, the fall know. of gaming in the fall of the Soviet Union was wild. It's like, yeah, well, this is the country where Alexei Pajitnyov, no, no, sorry, no, he's the guy who made Tetris. Uh, the, where um, what's his name? Uh, I can't remember what his name now is. He used to own the Nets. Allegedly made all oh. his money selling denim. Oh, yeah. yeah. He made billions of dollars selling... There was a big pent-up demand for denim. You know, yeah. Uh, uh, it that, was that. definitely... You could, you could ride that all the way to owning a major American sports franchise. <laughs> definitely just denim. That's it. Nothing else. Nothing else. Stop asking questions. Like that's that's a much more interesting component of the story than like Nintendo racing someone to secure the contract rights before a competitor does. Like that's really what the story is. It was how fast can you get someone there to an offer that the Russians will accept? 
I say I should say Soviets, but the reality of the situation is pretty much all layers of the of the government were controlled by Russians at that point, so it doesn't really make a big difference. Um, like what what like that's not a good movie though. How fast can we put someone on a plane? Not a great movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think I think it'll be funny for us in the speed kind of way, <laughs> where it's like this is ridiculous and stupid. Um, I don't know because again, it, it can be a little bit risky taking trailers too much at face value because sometimes sure, they're quite yeah. like dishonest to the material. Sometimes you know, it's like, well, you try to find an angle to sell this thing uh, in a trailer, which you know the actual makers of the film like not not even particularly like that's not how they would sell it. Uh, you know, so uh, if, I, I, I won't make too many judgments ahead of time, but yeah, I certainly, I mean, it's a, it's plausible uh, what you're saying to my mind. But yeah, you, you, you just yeah, I can think of a bunch of cases where you know, like a, a movie is like pretty dishonestly sold. Sometimes you know, it genuinely kind of made it seem more interesting than it was. Other times, it kind of made it seem less interesting or just like more creatively bankrupt than it actually ended up being. I think one of the sort of examples I can think of is like The Usual Suspects, where the marketing was very much like, oh, you've seen them Tarantino movies? Well, this is just like that. And it's like, it's not like that at all. <laughs> and this was an enjoyable movie, but if you went into it one in, you know, Pulp Fiction, you were going to be pretty fucking disappointed. Yeah, but yeah, I, I don't know. Like, the what is being sold to us seems to be very much like uh, kind of sold in nostalgia, sold on like, oh, like yeah. remember the Game Boy? He's losing mm, his yep. shit over seeing a Game Boy. Uh, and, quite, you know. yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but it, it looks entertaining enough. Um, I will, I know I will be using my free Apple TV Plus uh, code to to watch it. <laughs> all, right, all right, but Greg, you gave me a thought here, and I, 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 so I, like, I think the history of of this is an interesting story. Probably, maybe not the version they're telling. Maybe the version they're telling is silly. But what if it was just? What if it was just a legitimate like international contract negotiations? But it is a Quentin Tarantino film, as you suggest. <laughs> it's totally a very idiosyncratic dialogue. You know, there's a lot of the sort of, you know, they're getting into the nitty gritty of all the sort of contingencies in the contract, but then someone has to offer their opinion about Madonna or, you know, whatever. We are going to get to see so many feet shots. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, we're going to, I suppose, you've got to cover that. Um,. <laughs> they'll, be ta- they'll be talking about contract riders and the camera just pans down for no reason. Uh, why is this shot from floor level? Don't worry about it. I uh, I'm trying to think what what would actually be something in in gaming history that I would want that I think is a, is. A uh, I, I'll enough. tell you what I'm looking forward to if if there still are, you know, if enough time passes, probably when you do have the kind of. We talk about this almost like generational thing where it's like, oh, you know, there's a perceived value in calling back to this particular window of time because it's quaint and nostalgic at that point. If, if they've still got at that time a generation removed from what I'm going to talk about, streaming services, whatever entities there are at that time, if there isn't just one corporation, presumably like OCP from Robocop, uh, <laughs> provide did us entertainment they pick up the rights to reggie's book 
and we have the Reggie, oh, we God. have the Reggie, the sort of like sexed up version of the Reggie story <laughs> where he just strides into E3 2004 and just like slaps someone in the face that was saying Nintendo sucks. And you know. all right, all right. So who's playing Reggie? And I want to. Oh, here's I the it'll scene. be somebody to you know some you know young up and coming actor we don't know yet. Like I said, you know, I mean, we gotta wait. Uh, we gotta wait if it's you know we gotta wait until you know like 2034 or something to 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 get to a point where you know that's long enough ago that that people you know kind of want to have this kind of uh, romanticized take on his uh, ugly rise to power. <laughs> so um the the move i want to say it's called boy uh no it wasn't boyhood it Sorry, was uh, you were asking who would play uh, how about sam richardson no no yeah. see here's the thing when we when we uh when we get to, no it is boyhood yeah when we get to so boyhood is this movie that was kind of famous they, because they did it over so many years of that person's like life 12 yeah. years yeah so that way it was the same actors playing the character at different ages um it was way the movie itself is like, okay, it's fine. Uh, way more effort than that concept deserve. Let's put it that way. Uh, but I think what you need is you need a young actor to do that because you need to get young Reggie doing Bigfoot pizza. Mm. But then when it's, when it's time for the E3 presentation, when he does my body is ready for the dramatic film, he needs to like do like Chippendale style, grab the buttons of his shirt and just rip it open <laughs> and just have absolutely rippling musculature. Like, completely on the gas. Like, wildly on the gas. So we need to have that body transformation in there, too. So, like, there's got to be some 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 process. We have young Reggie, like, slinging big rectangular pizzas. And then we have not quite Silver Fox Reggie. He hasn't quite gotten there yet. Just absolutely shredded. Like, big as you, big as you can gas someone up. I Like, I want him on... Horse steroids, dangerous, dangerous steroids. Like I want, I want roid rage incidents on the set every day, and then you can wind it back for some later ones as he gets older and he starts to mellow out. And when you get to like the puppet version of him at one point, you know, <laughs> so you got to get there. He's lost a lot of that muscle mass. Maybe he's a little bit. He's loosened up a little bit. You got to commit to the role, so he's going to have to increase his calorie. Imagine like, the set piece you could make out of him inventing talking heads, I heart blank on VH1 or that. I mean that that is there you go. That's, it's, as exciting as like any chase sequence like you could ever mention in a, in a, a yeah, forget. William Friedkin French Connection, whatever the, the, this bit, where it's like people could talk shit about things that happened a long time ago. Whether they actually remember them or not, it's not the point. They just do it. And, uh, yeah, that people will watch that. And then the sort of meta-textual element of people watching this dramatization of that, it will just cause some sort of collapse, some sort of singularity to occur, and that'll be the end of civilization. Well, so, you know, back in the 80s, before they had the ability to just create CG backgrounds behind you, and they wanted to have, like, that, like, you're going through a hall of lights effect, where they'd literally just have the person sitting in a chair in, like, a, a darkened room with the neon light pattern behind them, and they would just pan the person and the camera through the space and then speed it up. 
I think we need to have that effect when that moment of revelation comes. Like he's sitting at a desk. It's just a regular desk. You know, he's got an office behind him. Maybe it's like a boardroom where they're talking about how they're going to launch this VH1 product. And then practical effect, no special effects. The set pulls away on on cables. Like we don't see it. <laughs> it's, it's a soundstage. The set pulls away. And then behind him is like, is this like long hallway triangular shape and it's just neon lights at a distance you know like a triangles of neon lights all the way back and suddenly he's pulled backwards as the idea flashes through his eyes and then he shoots forward as it comes to pe- comes together and then the set drops back into place and they're reggie reggie you there and he looks at him and goes i've got the idea and then you play the final countdown on top of it and <laughs> you've made the movie it is it is 17 years in the making fuck you boyhood this is the movie that deserves it and you win all of the oscars all of them and, and the movie ends with reggie's death but he's not dead yet in real life <laughs> so, just 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 because i'm taking the i'm taking you know literary license here i like the, i like the idea of some of the dramatic license you get this sort of brick shit house reggie concept of like the moment we pulled the game boy micro out of his jacket pocket or whatever but now it's like enormous because <laughs> <laughs> to prove how strong he is all right, all right i've it's got like, it. that's it's not like, how it happened at all it was really small that was the whole point it's called well, the game boy micro uh, all right, all right. Now here we go. Here we go. So he pulls it out of his pot. So our Reggie is a giant. He is a massive. As someone who has met him in person, he's really not that tall. He's pretty average height. Uh, it's just he, he's usually on stage with people who aren't very tall. Um, but our Reggie is massive. We're talking six foot wide shoulders. Huge. He's like he's got. It looks like he's wearing, you know armor plating but he's not that's just his body and he pulls it out of his lapel pocket and it looks so small it looks like remember the uh the game gear micros (laughs) in his hand it looks like that and then he reaches over and he hands it to someone because it is that size and in that but the person he's handing it to is not reggie they're so small and in their hands it's the size of an actual game gear Right. So so basically you're Lord of the Rings in this. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Perspective, Force perspective, yeah. Yeah, but also using like just different different props to do it. And that's cuz I mean we need to make sure people understand how big and how ready his body is with the Game Boy Micro. Mm-hmm. I think I think we're uh, the thing is yeah, I think like, one go go ahead, yes. No, uh, that's just like kind of the 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 note that the movie ends on like you mentioned like his death but no like i feel like you know like the movie ends with him like uh kind of like walking into uh to, in front of a crowd right and like the the spots are blinding but people are shouting his name and, uh, right yeah. right yeah and like basically like the the spotlights uh you know fade to white and then like that's that's the big like that's the end that's the very end and then the credits roll because like this is after his his moments of doubt you know like his <laughs> his fall oh. but then like he picked himself back up like at some point i feel like he could have a voiceover like i was feeling like a purple pikmin um and, you know <laughs> like that's but just see, like when he's at his lowest well, you think, uh, think wanna... about think about the string of action set pieces you could have as he gallantly prevents disaster from being released in america single-handed <laughs> 
saving <laughs> Nintendo so, from ruin. You know what? I, you, you say that, but like maybe maybe he we we have a, like a you know sometimes when you have the in a movie you might have a scene that's very similar to a previous one as a nice callback. He's sitting in a modern conference room. Maybe maybe not quite modern. Maybe like 2007 era modern. And someone's describing disaster to him, and he starts to blank out again. The set pulls away, and it's him in a car with the volcano. Yeah. And this is all just in his mind. He's just imagining himself through it. No, and then it's, afterwards, it's just like, uh, oh, it's just like enormous string of the movie. It just is like a nineties disaster movie for like many, many minutes, scene after scene after scene, just strung together. Huge budget. Mass as right. much as omni consumer products will give us to make this fucking thing. Right? With volcanoes and bears and uh, you know, everything. He wrestles uh, a bear. Yeah, and then it all comes to it and he goes Oh shit, isn't it? And then that's yeah, it. the set, the set, like, just like the idea of the set flying back in. <laughs> it's, like, nah. it's the exact same. Reggie, Reggie, you there? No, that's a bit shit. Yeah, it doesn't work. Does releasing it? Nah. that. Uh, pass. <laughs> like I think ten minutes is enough for that sequence. Long enough that the audience forgets that this is all in his head. <laughs> yeah, just... And then it comes, it comes crashing back to reality. But then when they pan to the room, he's still kind of in a fog. And so one of the people sitting in the chair is the bear. And then he shakes his eyes, and it's just a. A, a person um see I, you want to end it while he's still popular i think he needs one last fall and rise i want him to go through um what was it the bakugan game oh. that, that nwr <laughs> gave a one like i want i want a sequence that's just him like he's got this shit game but he's on the board of this company needs not to do it that because i can get this game promoted and he's on the phone using all of his contacts strong arming people i used to run this company Put us in the show! And he gets it, and then the game comes out as shit, and that's his fall. And like he's writing, he's at the end, he's writing the book. It's the last scene is him like in Lord of the Rings where he's writing out he's writing his red book. The last mm. pages are for you, Doug. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> he's he's writing the red book and then he closes it and gets on the boat. That's it. I just, to me, that's it. Like just just make First off, we've made a the, better the movie than whatever this touch. What? He's on the boat. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. The undying the lands of GameStop. That's <laughs> the most inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> no, the undying lands of the retirement home he's buying off the GameStop money he's getting. <laughs> on a golf course, probably. Maybe with a lake. Um, and then you see it. White Shores. No, it's actually it's a bunker. It's a golf course. That's what I'm looking at. <laughs> like, like, like he's he's on the boat. It's foggy, and then you realize it's a fishing trawler. And the guy goes, "You know, they stock this this lake with trout." Oh, that's I should take up fishing. And then the credits, and we're out. First off, we just made a better movie than this Tetris movie. No question, it's a much funnier movie. Um. But two, this Tetris movie is almost exactly the same, like beat for beat as the the movie about Nike that's coming out starring Matt Damon <laughs> about getting about getting Michael Jordan's contract for his shoes. It's the same fucking movie. He's racing other shoe companies to get the contract. I think it's called Air. I think the movie's actually called Air. Um, 
So, yeah, we've made a better movie than either of these. They both seem like parody. At least ours own. The thing is, they go, if these are successful, I mean, God knows how many more we're going to get. God. Can't wait to see the spirited story of John Madden's fast acting to acting commercials. (laughs) That's going to be a corker. (laughs) To be fair, it probably will be a a thing about Madden creating Madden to the extent that, you know, that'll probably happen. Yeah, that's a good one. I I actually do want to see a movie about Madden. But I think think it's too broad, isn't it? I mean, if you, especially if God, if you included his football career as well, but, you know, even if you're just looking at, you know, the the EA process and all that, or his being announcer too, but you've got to focus solely on the fast acting to acting campaign if you want a coherent narrative when it so, comes to Madden. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and cast that right now. John Goodman is John Madden. Okay. Like, I, I, think that's, I think that works. And I think he can give us a convincing boom, tough acting to acting. Yeah, he, he, he could crash through a, uh, a little brick wall or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like, I don't know, like it's going to be like a commercial, you know, movie, you know, it's going to try to make the most mon- money possible. But I, I feel like uh, there's um, there's space, there's like an opportunity to play with like form here and maybe you know, make a statement about the games as well. And so what if, like, you keep re-releasing the same movie with minor tweaks yes. every year? It's evergreen, isn't it? Uh, all right, let, yeah? let, let me let me one-up you. What if you released the same movie with minor tweaks at the same time? Two versions, same movie, same time, slightly different. Hmm. I'm, gonna, I'm going to, you could either say Pokemon this shit or Clue this bitch. I don't care which oh, one you want. Right. The, the, the clue had different endings. <laughs> it did. Um, I, I remember at one point the cable edit of that. It was all the endings back to back to back. <laughs> which, which made the movie look significantly longer because they put an ad after every ending. Um, I, I think we've extracted all the blood from this stone. Uh, pretty much, except yeah, yeah. It, it is. It is sort of you know uh, you, you see you know Yamuchi uh, there you know kind of being portrayed. I guess that's that's probably one of the things that people have picked on as kind of uh, kind of uh, a, a bit of a trip, you know. To say Yamuchi always sort of came across as this sort of fictional character, <laughs> right? Yeah, you don't need mm-hmm. to make him more approachable. The <laughs> idea Yamauchi's thing is that he's remarkably unapproachable yeah exactly i mean just the the whole thing about buying the mariners and never going to see them and all that i mean it is like something not just like fictional but like children's fiction or something (laughs) extremitized figure that he was you know but uh so so people noticed you know that they messed up by having the fictional yamauchi play actually a video game Whereas, yeah. like, it, it it would have been, like, yeah, the the movie probably would have been better off showing him, you know, just watching other people play games. Like, that's well, a funny thing that was an actual yeah, thing, it's, right? So It's a weird anachronism that, like, no, the, the funnier, more movie character-y thing is reality. Right. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this would be like whenever they inevitably make the Vince McMahon biopic and they make him come off as normal. Like, no, nothing about yeah, that man is problem. normal. Yeah, it is a problem, isn't it, when you do biopics of certain public figures uh, where it's kind of like, well, yeah, but I mean, 
if he's going to be the main character, essentially, in this dramatisation, he needs to be more relatable or the, you know, than the actual person was, because otherwise people won't be able to stick with it for a feature like length. We're making a dramatization. Oh, you're gonna, but how are you going to make it like more interesting? No, we're going to make it less interesting. This dude <laughs> is too, too weird. It's too much. Mm-hmm. He's too hard. We can't. We can't keep dealing. This motherfucker owned the biggest video game company in the world and refused what? to play them. Was it in like The Wire where like they had a character fall down from like three or five floors and you know got away with it and like it was based on an actual thing where like yeah. The, like they, they fell from a much higher number of floors, and uh, but like that was too big. Like people wouldn't believe it. They wouldn't, but they would they, think it was the you know, the not be realistic. Yeah, you know? but yeah, you obviously. Right. Yeah, I mean, you do get some very improbable survival story. But that's the point, isn't it? They're improbable, and then we hear right. about the one time that it happened where they did survive, and it's like, well, yes, the vast majority of the time they would not. I mean, yeah, there's the the story of the woman who survived her parachute not working skydiving. Like, that's that's very unusual. She probably should have died. But I'll tell you, I'm not going to try it. I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. So, like, the idea of, like, hey, let's do Yam... Like, and, and I think Yamuchi should be a relatively minor character in this one. So, I no, think you yeah. just leave him as as cartoony as he is. Like, you just, you right. just lean... Maybe you even lean into it a little bit. Like, so, like, they're like, what do you mean he doesn't play video games? He owns a video game company. He doesn't play video games. Why? He thinks they're a waste of time. Well, why does he make them then? So making money. It's just like, just, just like that conversation happened. I'm sure it happened many times whenever Americans were like, came into the, into the fold and someone's explaining it to them because they put the, he put his son-in-law in charge of the U.S. branch because he's been to America a bunch. It's like this guy's a lunatic. Like, lean into it. Let it go. Don't don't dial it down. Dial it up. I want to see what the movie version of Yamauchi is. I want him to be like video games in my presence are destroyed. I'll tell you I what, them. if you get you talking about the Jordan thing, well, we, we could have a movie about them getting Tyson's rights for Poncho. Oh, there we go, and then and then having to bury the rights. And, yeah, the, the, the <laughs> very horrible places that story goes. But you know, oh, son of a bitch! It's drama. If you want that, it's got it. Uh, but and then you could do a jump forward at the end. You know, like the redemption story part. This this will get Mike involved. Although a paycheck will also get Mike involved. Um, by just jumping forward to the fact that he made a, a fairly successful Scooby Doo parody in the in the 2010s afterwards, his career's come all the way back around. <laughs> all right, well, um, I think we've uh, we've pretty well exposed the frauds that Apple TV uh, for their inability to make good content and our ability to make good content. So um, you can send us your. Uh, I don't know what what budget do we need for our for our movie? Three billion? That feels like a good Amazon number. Three billion? Sure. Yeah, well, definitely. If we were going to make Disaster Day of Crisis the five season TV event that it needs to be, I think you know that that is expensive. If you ever get the chance, watch one episode of La Brea. It's the stupidest shit on television, and it's basically just this: they fall through a tar pit, and it becomes Land of the Lost. It's great. Fuck this movie. Fuck that show. But see, I think I think all right. Say three billion for a season per season. 
And if we if we get renewed, I want to renew for at least five, not one, like a normal company. So if you can send us that contract that binds you to pay us, but doesn't necessarily bind us to finish the show, uh, that would go to RFN at NintendoWorldReport.com. That's RFN at NintendoWorldReport.com. You will be hearing from our lawyers. You can also send us your questions, thoughts, comments, uh, observations, um, pitch content to make our show better that we will definitely not credit you for and will not pay you for receiving. If you send it to us, it is property of Nintendo World Report and Radio Free Nintendo. Specifically Radio Free Nintendo because we're not cutting them in on a goddamn red cent of our movie deal. So, send those today. Also, also, uh, the Legend of Zelda Wind Waker Retroactive is now underway. According Accordingly, we have to get it done by March. We are presently in March. My March sucks, so we'll figure out something probably at the end of the month. I can just tell you right now, I've got major releases for the next three weeks. So, um, yeah, I don't know how that's going to work out, but we'll figure something out. But we'll uh, we'll get on that. I will have a thread created in the NWR forum. Somebody already made a Discord thread. I don't tend to poke into the Discord thread, so you might not see me that much, but it's it's around. You can put them in there. I'll make sure we check it before the show. And uh, your comments could find their way into the show, or they could lead us into a prompt for a conversation about the game. So go ahead and get started. It's not super long, honestly. Uh, you can still go to the eShop. You can still buy it, but time is running out. So go ahead and get your copy today. If you don't already have one, you can play it on the GameCube or you can play the Wii U version. We don't care. I think we're pretty much all going to play the Wii U version, if I had to guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, just for the Swift sale. Oh, well, yeah. And it's just, I can do it off TV play. That's a hell of a lot more convenient than getting yeah. the GameCube work or the Japanese Wii or whatever. I, I've owned the Wind Waker HD for a long time, but I, I never actually played through it. And this is my first time. Like I, And I was like, do I need the Swift sale, really? And then I realized, like, oh, okay, it's not just like twice as fast to, to get around. Also, you don't need to change the wind direction. Right. And that's when I understood, like, oh, shit. Okay, this is great. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's its big perk, is that you don't have to mess with the wind as much. Um, so... That is uh, happening soon. I don't have a date yet, but I'll get you on. So go ahead and start playing. On that, Greg, what is our music to close out the show this week? Well, yeah, I thought I'd pick something from Metroid Fusion soundtrack. And uh, like I said, it's a different different kind of atmosphere from quite a lot of the Metroid games, really. Even though I said some of it's because the you know, GBA was no, quite different kind of sound technology from the Super Nintendo. But it's it's got this very overtly electronic kind of sound to it, which I think is a lot of it just tying into the setting of the theater. It's the space station rather than a planet and all this kind of, that's just the kind of direction they took with it. So it's kind of, it's got less of a, you know, kind of, um, natural atmosphere as Super Metroid, but I think it works for what it, what it is trying to do. And, uh, you know, it was pretty effective, I think, uh, at times. You've got these sort of obviously like horror movie elements to it, you know, when the SAX is kind of coming for you and all that sort of thing. But, uh, the, the one I've chosen is from, I think it was the first time you visit the, uh, Sector 4, the AQA sector. So yeah, it's not the really kind of atmospheric, sleepy underwater music, uh, but 
it's, it's more kind of uh, the, the kind of the low lie intention kind of stuff before that. But it gives you an idea of like what they were getting, the vibe they were going for with this. Which like I said, I think given you know what they had to work with on uh, the on GBA, especially kind of early on, it's uh, one of the more effective uh, early soundtracks on the system. I think. Cool. All right. Well, on that, it is time for us to go. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye.